Hello and welcome to episode 130 of Laps Gamer Radio. Today we're going to deviate a little from our usual show and talk about Game of Thrones because quite simply there aren't enough people out there talking about the end of the series and you need to hear our hot takes. And because there have been at least three video games based on Game of Thrones, we can technically get away with talking about it on a video game franchise. It's a Ballyhoo episode. Yeah, yeah, but we usually do Ballyhoo episodes on on games, on uh, like the properties based on games no games based on properties of you know whatever (laughs) i've played one of the game of thrones games it wasn't very good telltale one yep yeah shit um yeah but anyway um it yeah it goes without saying that the night is dark and full of spoilers so if you haven't finished watching game of thrones or if you intend to watch it at some point then switch off now you have been warned uh it's doable i promise yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, what switching off this podcast well that yeah I mean that too but uh, yeah it's doable in a short period of time yes yeah well we answer that um, first of all I'm your host Mark Hamer first of his name father of puppies and breaker of wind and joining me tonight Andy Piddy warden of Yorkshire and master of Warhammer yep the North remembers yeah and joining us, uh, you've already heard his voice, joining us from the Ready Play 2 podcast, is the 998th Beardy Commander of the Night's Watch, Traitor's Bastard, Lewis Knight. Yo, what's happening? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I don't want it, or you're my queen. No. No? No. I, no. Okay, fair enough. Um, so... How I figure we should just do it tonight is just like rattle through seasons one through seven because they're old news. Just to kind of recap, talk a little bit about what we liked about those seasons, what we didn't like, why season five sucked, um, and then go dig a little bit deeper on season eight. Um, but Louis, uh, you um, you came to Game of Thrones quite late. Uh, yeah, so probably. Uh, what one two three, probably about a month ago uh i started watching it for the first time i think it was like the 22nd of april i started watching it mm. <laughs> um and i was all caught up by probably episode three of season eight yeah um yeah so i watched it in fairly in a fairly sh- Fairly short space of time. Hmm. I'd done. I'd done the same. Like I, I started watching it when it was first on. Um, loved the first season so much that I went out and got all of the books and uh, watched every season since then. And every now and then, since then, I've gone back and watched all the episodes are available. And then before this final season, I watched the whole thing again from the beginning. Um. Andy, were you there from the beginning? Um, read the books when they first came out. So I read the first three books. I think they were out in All right, nerd. fairly quick succession. Back well, back at the first one came out in like 96, right? Yeah, about that, wasn't it? Yeah. it was like, Weren't you busy like whizzing off your tits? and? No. <laughs> no? Okay. Well, I still had time to read. You had a quiet nineties. a lot. I was getting pissed a lot, but I was like, still I found time to read in between the bouts of drunkenness and studying. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's where I started from. When so when it first uh, came out, I got it on Blu-ray. 
I didn't watch it straight away mm-hmm. on TV. I watched the first season with my wife, loved it, and then I just followed it on since. But I haven't gone back to rewatch the earlier seasons, so that's a job for me to do at some point. Mm-hmm. Maybe when my daughter's older, you know, at the moment she's a bit yeah. too young. Yeah. Um, well, we'll jump straight into the like the first season. Um, so the first season kind of we'll just do the broad brushstrokes. The first season sets up the sort of um, th- what you think will be like the biggest threat all the way through the show, which is the the White Walkers. And like literally the first scenes of the first episode, you're introduced to the White Walkers and what they can do and um, the, the concept of the Night's Watch. But then most of the first season's kind of all to do with Robert Baratheon, King Robert, everybody's favorite character. Um, him from Cold Feet. Yeah, mm-hmm. him from Cold Feet. And he was also in a sitcom about a supermarket and he worked uh, behind the butcher's counter. And it was that was around about the same time as the first season of Game of Thrones, which is kind of weird. I'm sure he plays um, Santa yeah. Claus at some point. Or some Probably he's been in loads yeah. of stuff. But yeah, Bobby B, Robert yeah. Baratheon. Um, he's one of my favourite characters. He's one of the most quotable. He loves Bessie and her big tits, <laughs> and he likes the joust to start before he pisses himself. Uh, yeah, he's he's been the king following a, a rebellion that he launched some 20-odd years before then. Um, but there's loads of political intrigue going on, people getting murdered and backstabbed, and you find out that all of the the king's kids are actually the queen and her brother. Um, they're all the products of incest. And Ned Stark, Sean Bean's character, who doesn't even make it through to the end of the first season before dying, as finds usual. out about it. Sorry? As usual. Yeah, as usual. Um, it's basically just setting up where uh, the, the, the entire first season really is kind of place setting with a few like big major moments like the death of Ned Stark. But it's it's mainly not that I think it's the only season where there isn't a battle of some sort. Um, it's quite clear that they didn't have a huge amount of money compared to later seasons uh, in yeah. the, the, that early mm. season. Uh, and all it's some of my favorite scenes are from that first season because there was so much more concentration on the just the the the, the political intrigue and great just scenes of great conversation. Some of my favorites um, from the early seasons are between uh, Varys. Uh, the Spider, the Master of Whispers, and Peter Baelish, who's like the slimiest of bastards. When they castrated you, did they take the pillow with the stones? I've always wondered. Have you? Do you spend a lot of time wondering what's between my legs? I picture a gash, like a woman's. Is that about right? I am flattered, of course, to be pictured at all. Must be strange for you, even after all these years. A man from another land despised by most, feared by all. Am I? That is good to know. Do you lie awake at night fearing my gash? Yeah, season one, I mean, is, are there any particular highlights aside from Ned Stark getting the chop that you wanted to point, remember? Literally the beginning, like the within the first 10 minutes of the episode, I was like, obviously... Winter is coming has been mm-hmm. a, like a massive meme pretty much since since Game of Thrones started, 
And then within the first, what, 10, 15 minutes, he says it. Mm-hmm. And and I was just like, yes, yes, he said the thing. He said the meme. I, I now have context for... Uh, and that was probably my favourite bit of the entire se- uh, first series. Yeah. <laughs> Finally getting that reference. I suppose it's not the most favourite bit, but when the Jamie pushes Bran out of the window, this was a se- mm. he sort of knew this was a series that was going to push boundaries. Yeah, because that's like the last... The, the, yeah, the, the episode starts with people being beheaded by ice monsters and mm. end, and that episode ends with a child being pushed out of a window. Yeah. I, yeah, uh, like because I I didn't know anything about Game of Thrones before watching the series, and by the end of that first episode, I was like, okay, all right, this is um, this is going places. Uh, um, it's not it's not like it necessarily gets goes from bad to worse. It just goes to a a different caliber of bad. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it shows yeah, it, I don't know. What, things what? get. Things get really shit around season three yeah. for a lot of characters. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, we'll come on to that. I mean, um, I remember Bran's watching Jamie and Cersei having sex. So you got the incest happening. Then he gets pushed out of a window, mm-hmm. and it sort of like highlights what, what character Jamie is. It's pretty ruthless because he was the one who killed the Targaryen king. Um, that's yeah. why he's called the Kingslayer. And like I said, Cersei all has all of Jamie's kids, and that's a continuing theme. So straight from the point, isn't it? Mm-hmm. From the first episode, and the first season introduces Daenerys Targaryen as well. The last remaining, well, no, one of the two last remaining children of the Mad King that that Jamie um, killed uh, bef- twenty years before the show started, or whenever it was. Uh, and she has a pretty rough first season as well, kind of being sold into sexual slavery. Essentially, she gets sold off as a child bride to to um, Aquaman uh, and his and his Mongol horde, and spends most of the first season basically having a pretty shit time. And then, like Carl Drago is kind of cool with her, and then he dies, and then. She steps into a fire and then comes out with three baby dragons. Yeah, I have to admit, that was... Because I, th- I think I got to about the the last 10, 15 minutes of the series. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they're going to have to wrap this up pretty bloody quickly. Like, the, nothing kind of major has happened mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of the series. And then, well, apart from Ned Stark getting his head chopped off, <laughs> well, yeah, but like nothing, nothing had uh, major had happened for her, and then she walks into the fire, burns the witch. Oh, Carl Drogo had died, mm. um, but yeah, she walks into walks into a fire, burns a witch, and then comes out Starkers with three baby dragons, mm-hmm. um, and I was like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that works for me. That that's a that's a, a good way to end the series. Yeah. Had I been watching it, uh, not chronologically, but had I been watching it at the time, then that that would have been a a satisfying cliffhanger ish, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. uh, for the yeah. end of the series. 
I think that first season does a really good way of um, world building, um, a bit like Lord of the Rings, but it shows different aspects of a world and how different how the different cultures have adapted to where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as the season as the series got on along, they sort of lost that a bit. Apart from the locations, they sort of lost the well. And Danny spends the first six seasons of the show uh, the other side of the narrow sea, yeah, in various cities and and like you like you mentioned like Lord of the Rings, but like Tolkien never filled out the information about the other civilizations that lived over in the east and in the south. No, but what I'm talking about is more of a sense of whether different houses in Westeros themselves mm-hmm. they sort of lost, they just became humans in a sunny in a sunny part of Westeros whilst the north was a well, north itself was almost like a character in itself mm-hmm. whereas I thought the other areas of Westeros in particular lost oh I see what you mean right um yeah but uh, there's only so much they can fit in a TV show really and the story is always kind of only really cared about there's only in terms of uh, the in terms of the TV show the Lannisters and the Starks are the only two houses that are really the, the narrative actually cares about mm. like you don't get that much of the Riverlands or the Eyrie um, yeah, the Vale yeah. and, and do get a bit some of the others but they do lose it and then because some of these areas we do spend quite a bit of time in mm-hmm. so it sort of does lose it for me but. Yeah, but it's all in yeah. in service of the narrative, yeah. I guess. Like, there's a lot more of that in the books, but you can't put all mm. of that on the screen because the show would never end. And, um, yeah, um, jumping onto season two, most of season two revolves around the fact that um, Cersei and Jaime's vicious oldest son, Joffrey, uh, orders um, Ned Stark's head to be cut off. Um, so all of the North rallies around Rob Stark, Ned's oldest son, and they're marching south and fighting against mm. Tywin, who's like the uh, the the elder statesman of the Lannister. Uh, but then also there's Renly Baratheon, who was uh, Robert's King Robert's youngest brother, who's now claiming the throne, and then Stannis, who was Robert's older brother, who is also claiming the throne. And so you've suddenly got like four or five different like uh, groups in engaged in a massive power struggle against each other and that makes up most of season two um culminating in uh the first big spectacular battle sequence um in the battle of blackwater which must have cost quite a lot of in terms of visual effects yeah the dude said in the that the i remember reading that in past seasons would save their budget for big episodes like that and um, mm-hmm. the other episodes had to suffer because of that. Which, well, I don't think they suffered. No, they just concentrated more on yeah. the actual talky side of the show. Which was... Which is the stuff that I always was preferred, good. to be honest. Yeah, which was good. But, you know, in terms... We couldn't split the action over versus their budget. And we, when it comes to season seven and eight, we sort of see it shifts a bit, I would say in terms of the budget and the background and how it all thing all pans out. It's, it's 
kind of a mixed bag in terms of the Stark kids because John's still up in the north. Um, is it season one or season two where they find the white and it comes back to life and nearly kills the Lord Commander and then they're like, right, we need to go north and go investigate this. I can't remember if that was the first season or the second season. I think that was the second season. So. Right. Uh, so all the Night's Watch are going up north, north of the wall to try and find out what the hell's going on and it's grim up there. Um, Rob's having a pretty good time like spanking Tywin Lannister in the Riverlands and uh, capturing Jamie Lannister and putting him in a cage for, for apparently... Um, this is what you glean from some dialogue. He spends like two years or something ridiculous like that in captivity. Um, it's one of the one of the things that the show's never been able to do particularly well is explain the concept of time. The, yeah, time passing. Like he says, there's a few lines of dialogue which I can't remember exactly how long. But basically, he's he's in captivity for most of that season. Um, but in actual time, it's it's very it's, he's there for a long time, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sansa's down in King's Landing, having a really shitty time, being basically a hostage of Cersei, who's torturing her, and Joffrey, who's torturing her. Um, and where does Arya spend most of this season? I can't remember. Uh, on the streets of. Well, she's in. She was in King's Landing. She gets like taken out of King's Landing at the end of the first episode by the fellow who's taken her north with like Gendry and Hot Pie and yeah. Jack and Hagar and mm. all that lot to go to the Wall. But then um, they all get attacked and um, oh yeah, she ends up at um, Harrenhal. Oh uh, yeah, this season it. where she ends up at Harrenhal and then she ends up being Tywin's cupbearer and like. So the scenes between her and uh, and um, uh, and Tywin are like some of my favourite scenes in the whole show. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Um. Fuck. What's his name? Charles Dance. Charles yeah. Dance. Yeah. yeah. Charles Dance is Charles Dance is amazing, and like Maisie Williams, even at that very young age, is like managing to go toe to toe with one of the, the 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 best Shakespearean actors in the world. Most girls more interested in the pretty maidens from the songs, John Q, flowers in their hair. Most girls are idiots. <laughs> you remind me of my daughter. Where did you learn all this stuff about the senior and her Valyrian steel sword? From my father. He's a well read stonemason. I can't say I've ever met a literate stonemason. Have you met many stonemasons, my lord? Careful now, girl. I enjoy you, but be careful. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. What, uh, there's not a lot really happens with Daenerys. She goes to Carth. Um, and she hangs out there for a while with a with a, a creepy dude who's got a safe. And he won't let anyone know what's in the safe. Then you find out later on that he hasn't got anything in the safe. And there's these weird dudes with purple lips who like kidnap her dragons. And then she has loads of visions and stuff. And it's all a bit weird. Um, it's it's covered a lot better in the books. Uh, I think that they kind of didn't do a particularly good job of the whole Carth section mm. with Daenerys in season two. Yeah. Um, 
I I must admit that sort of left me a little bit cold. Yeah. Because um, it, it it doesn't really they don't really explain like why the whatever they're called um, the warlocks. Yeah, mm. the the spooky dudes. Um, they don't really explain why why they want um, why they want the dragons, mm-hmm. and then she burns everything down, and it's like, oh right, okay, cool. Yeah, and she has some. Then. Well, she has some visions that are quite important. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to because it's I, it's, uh, I sometimes confuse what she sees then and what Bran sees later on in the show but one of the things she does see is she's in the throne room at king's landing and there's what looks like either snow or ash everywhere and she reaches out to touch the throne and she doesn't quite touch it and that becomes quite an important thing yeah. um but she sees a lot more in the books um a lot of stuff that probably wouldn't have been able to be put on screen just logistically they wouldn't have been able to get around it um yeah but uh I mean, from what I've heard from the people who, I, I'll, full disclosure, I haven't read the books, mm-hmm. um, but from what I've heard from people that have watched the series and read the books that are out, that are out, um, they have taken quite a quite a lot of uh, artistic license mm-hmm. to translate the books onto the screen, which yeah. which is fair enough. Well, some of the stuff they had to, um, they had to make adaptations. Some of the changes they've made to certain the characters. Some of the changes, actually, George R. R. Martin has said in interviews, he thinks he uh, he prefers what they did with certain characters or certain changes they made over what he wrote originally in the books. Like, um, so in the books, Rob Stark falls in love with, is her name Jane Westerling? Uh, yeah, in the books, he falls in love with a woman called Jane Westerling, who's just like a woman from the Riverlands. Uh, and it doesn't make a huge amount of sense why he meets her and why he falls in love with her and then, uh, you know, goes, uh, fails to go through with his his pledge to marry one of Walder Frey's daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the change in the TV show to have her be like a, 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 a noblewoman from across the narrow sea who's there working as a a, a medic on the, the the battlefield made a lot more sense um things like all of the scenes between um varus and Littlefinger. uh mm-hmm. none of those happen in the books they were all invented by uh db weiss and and uh, david benioff okay um, and they're some of the best scenes in the show to be honest yeah um, I, I have to admit i do quite like the um the interaction between uh, Varys and um, Baelish, just mm-hmm. because it's they're almost like almost like really good mates that you kind of you'd see down the pub, and they kind of make snide, not snide, but they kind of make digs at each other that you would do with with your good friends that you yeah. could maybe make uh, to to someone else. Um, that you don't know quite so well. So, yeah. yeah, I quite like the the dynamic that they've got, which, I mean, obviously you'll come to it later, but then that kind of switches from Baelish to uh, Tyrion. 
Yeah. Well, like right from the very beginning, um, Baelish and Varys seemed like very similar sort of characters in a way. Like they're mm-hmm. both they're both like um, you know, sort of wheeling and dealing and playing seemingly playing people off against each other and you know dealing in secrets and whatnot but then it's it soon becomes quite apparent especially after uh Littlefinger pulls his knife on um on Ned Stark in the throne room in season one and says like I did warn you not to trust me that you realize that he is out to do whatever it takes to benefit him Mm, and him alone um And then you get a scene later on in one of the seasons where Varys says um, that, like Peter Baelish would would like would would uh, like see the world burn if he could be king of the ashes or some, something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, and then you start to realise that Varys is as 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 um, he comes across as being very slimy. He's got this network of spies who causes little birds that are all children. Mm. He employs child slaves, yeah. uh, child child spies, um, to to get his intel for him. But everything he does is done out of a principle of the people. He cares about the realm. He mm. wants to right person on the Iron Throne. Uh, and right from the very first season, we find out that he is plotting and doing stuff behind. Uh, the scenes to try and get Daenerys. Well, no, not Daenerys at that point. Um, her brother, um, Viserion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the throne. Um, why he thought ever thought that Viserion would be a good <laughs> king? That guy's a madman. Well, I suppose, um, I suppose if, if the context of time, like we're saying, he wouldn't <clears throat> maybe know what was how the characters of the of these people are. So he's just trying to restore order. What he saw as the uh, Targaryens, they had order, they had control. All right, they had the dragons, there was fear and so on. But at the time, before they all went mad, there was a sense of the people were um, not suffering as they are now. Hey, do you know the the only point during the entire season where people aren't suffering Hmm. is when Bobby B is on the throne. (laughs) Like He bankrupt the entire kingdom... He spent his entire day drinking and whoring and hunting. He occasionally slapped his wife around a little bit, but nobody was at war and people on the street seemed to be doing all right. I mean, to be fair, they weren't really suffering at the end of season eight because... There's not many of them. All... Well, not they weren't <laughs> suffering anymore, yeah, no. <laughs> they were all um, charcoal briquettes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. Um... So, well, yeah, we better crack on a little bit. Um, so season two kind of, yeah, ends with um, Stannis having his forces decimated at the Battle of the Blackwater and Tyrion successfully defending um, King's Landing. Although even at that moment when he's out on the on the, the battlefield, like this little half-man fighting for to try and protect his city... His sister ha- tries to have him killed. We presume it's Cersei who tries to have him killed. He sends uh, the knight to to yeah. kill him, and good old Podrick with his magic cock um, <laughs> stabs him. So it stabs whoever it was who goes to stab him, uh, get, to get him through the back of the head. Also, um, we haven't mentioned that uh, you we meet one of the the best and most interesting character. Well, not most interesting, but one of the best characters uh, in this season, which is uh, Brienne. 
Oh yeah, Brianna Tarth. Yeah, she's um, in Renly's. Uh, so Robert Baratheon's youngest brother's Kingsguard, and she's yeah, she's one of the the best characters in the show by a long way. She's well, everybody knows who Brianna Tarth is. Mm. She the one that re- she comes out of it the whole series unscathed or untarnished. Well, to a point. I mean, oh, no, no, none, of a, them, none of them. She's gone through some pretty upsetting emotional things. Yeah, but she um, doesn't really. She's like she's, she's like the noble part of the realm, isn't she? She's not. Yeah. She she doesn't really like we can see various and everyone else. You know, like even even Dead Stark, noble. They've done things that are wrong. She found she, out. She kind of starts this, this, the series at the beginning as as a lawful good character, yeah. and she pretty much ends the series uh, as a whole as a, a lawful good character. Yeah. She doesn't really do anything questionable. Yeah. No, yeah. not most, at all. Yeah, she's... Most of the other characters are and do questionable things. Yeah. The other one that I can really think of is um, my other favourite character, which is... Uh, Tormund Giantsbane, <laughs> um, who is kind of the opposite side of the scale, uh, and he starts as being chaotic good, hmm. um, and ends as being a chaotic yeah. good character. You say chaotic good, but he did help like slaughter an entire village of innocent people south of the wall, and then uh, uh, lots yeah, of people in Molestown. And then lots of members of the Night's Watch. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Yeah, chaotic okay, neutral. That's true. Yeah, chaotic neutral maybe. <laughs> yeah, but he 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 has a an upward progression rather than a character progression mm. rather than a a downwards, which is what a lot of the characters do, mm. or they kind of peak and trough. In Jamie's mm. case, for instance, mm. Tormund's like rise to become a good character. Um, it it doesn't actually, but I like to think that it has a direct correlation with when he meets Brienne of Tarth. <laughs> <laughs> and he becomes yeah. kind of obsessed with her. Um, so yeah, uh, season two, lots of explosions at the end. Um, season three is when things start to get really messed up. Um, <laughs> so, um, is it is it season three that starts with the with the whole? Um, uh, th- because there's the war going on, and the 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 um, so Renly is uh, Renly dies in season two, right? Stannis, yeah, Stannis sends yeah. his like yeah. uh, Stannis makes a shadow baby with um, with Melisandre, who goes and kills Renly, and then all of Highgarden decide to side with the um, the Lannisters, and so. Joffrey was going to be marrying Sansa, but then they decide that Joffrey should marry Marjorie, and Marjorie is not a like simple girl. She knows how to play this no. game. And She's not Sansa. Yeah. yeah, and Cersei knows that she knows how to play this game, and so there's this whole power struggle that's going on through the whole season between those two, which is great. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember what happens if as much happens with Daenerys in that season. Um, um, she kind of oh well, she goes this one is basically when she starts her rampage across um, Essos, yeah. like yeah, freeing the slaves of Slavers Bay, and then 
getting into is big it in this fights series? with. It starts with this series. With this series, yeah, yeah she gets, she gets, she gets the unsullied. Gets unsullied. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she gets the unsullied in season three, and then declares war on all of Slaver's Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, then, Which was a clever move. What she did. Yeah. Um, John gets. Um, he goes up north, and um, I can't remember if it was the end of season two or the end of season three. Where the, I think it's the end of season three, isn't it? When the um, the White Walkers turn up and assault. Um, yeah, because uh, the fist of the first men with all the Night's Watch people. But like John spends most of season three hanging out with the Wildlings undercover. Yeah, uh, yeah. and falling in love with his real life wife, um, Agreet. Uh, um. Mance Redazier. He was quite a good character. Yeah. Who plays him? Um, Kieran Hines. Yeah. Yeah, Kieran Hines is like, well, this this show is packed full of incredible character actors. Mm. Kieran Hines was not someone who I would have, like, if you'd said, like, who who do you think should play Mance Raider based on how I had him, a vision of him from the books. Kieran Hines is not who I would have like nowhere near the top of the list of people I would have said but uh, he did the he did the role justice he wasn't in it that long unfortunately but then he's not in the books that long really before Stannis burns him alive yes mother um, joy yeah yeah oh man he gets like two episodes I know he should have been one of the lords he should have been yeah, um, so what else happened? Uh, oh yeah, Theon Greyjoy, he'd gone off, uh, tried to like get his dad to join Rob Stark's war, but then his dad's like, no, nah, you're a Greyjoy, and Theon's like, yeah, all right, I'll be a Greyjoy then, and goes and does some raiding, and then the raiding doesn't go very well, and um, Ramsay Bolton, uh, Roose Bolton's uh, bastard son, captures him, and flays bits off him and cuts his junk off and sends it to his dad and then sits at a table that and was... wiggles a sausage at him and <laughs> fucking hell uh yeah that was probably one of the biggest what the fuck moments for me where he he's helping he's convincing theon that he's helping him escape oh god yeah i forgot about that why um, does he even do that apart aside from just like his own sadistic pleasure? Because he kills some of his own men to make it look convincing that he's rescuing. He's fucked yeah. Up. Um, yeah, and then he's like, Oh, wait, hang on, let me find a torch, blah blah blah. And then leads him back into the dungeon. Yeah. Um, and then gives him a thorough beating and then cuts off his junk and other bits and pieces of him. Like they, um, there's a lot of messed up things that happen in this show. There's there's one particularly messed up thing that happens at the end of this season. But the whole journey with Theon becoming Reek and being like psychologically crushed by uh, Ramsay Bolton is just so messed up. And and Alfie Allen sold it so well. Yeah. Like there's mm-hmm. a moment in one of the um a, a, I don't know if it's this season or the next season where he um he's sent in as like it, this is after he's been stripped of his identity and he, he is Reek and he's like he's he's like a basically like a whipped dog and there's a moment mm-hmm. where like his sister comes to rescue him and he won't go. Because he's yeah. not Theon anymore, and he's so terrified of what will happen to him if he tries to escape. Even though he could probably make it out fine then, but he's just so 
crushed. And then there's another moment when he sent in Astion to, um, I think it might be Winterfell, or one of the other castles is being held by some um, Ironborn, and they're under siege. And he goes in and um, says, like, you know, you should surrender and they'll let you off, like, you know, they'll let you off fine. And the guy starts berating him, and Theon starts to, like, crack and like starts to shudder and like oh that whole scene so uncomfortable like what what ramsey does to him is mm. ugh. Yeah, um one of the best arcs of the whole series though. yeah absolutely speaking of horrible characters um walder frey gets his revenge for rob's slight of promising to marry one of his daughters and then not marrying one of his daughters by having him and his pregnant wife and his mother and all of their men massacred at a at a at a wedding uh and to make things worse uh you know the band that's up in the the the, the rafters in the room playing the reigns of castamere when the murder starts mm. uh isn't that's that, members um, of coldplay i was going to say isn't that coldplay yeah there's been a few um musical uh sort of cameos throughout the show some of them bad like that like and fucking what's his and name one that we shall hopefully not mention yeah we'll, we'll skip it, over yes. that one because it's, it's just terrible but then sig or ross are in a scene and like that's great uh members of mastodon, mastodon. Are, uh, play wildlings and then yeah like whites um not that not that you would ever know to look at no them. no you'd have to I be mean, pretty eagle-eyed to spot it yeah um, i know what the band looked like and i i had to sit and go through frame by frame and i was like oh yep there they are yeah um the um the guy who plays cyril and Payne, the the mute executioner was the guitarist for um is it called dr feelgood oh, i can't remember oh, really? the, name of the band yeah um he's quite a famous musician mm-hmm. um sophie ellis bexter was in uh, uh, uh in the background as a wildling in um really? one of the seasons yeah i think she's in the battle of winterfell in the last season i only know that because i watched the documentary um oh, right. and she okay. was there was her getting into her um her outfit uh, at some point uh, and That's there's been a few cool. like little bits and pieces like um in the season eight pod sings um Jenny of Oldstones, and then there's the uh, Florence Welsh uh, Florence Welch version of it over the credits at the end, which was really good. Yeah, um, I mean we're forgetting about one of the 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 biggest uh, singers of the '90s or the, the biggest musicians of the '90s, and that's um, Jerome Flynn. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he gets to sing a couple of times. Unfortunately, he sings. Um, he helps sing the, the Reigns of Castamere um, before the Battle of Blackwater, and then later on when he's in prison in Dawn, yeah, um, he sings the the Dornishman's wife. Um, he's got a lovely voice, hasn't he? I don't know why they didn't utilize it a little bit more often. But um, well, uh, while we're on the subject, what, what do you what do, what do you guys think of Bron? Because I thought he was brilliant. I love. I really liked his character. A lot of people had kind of mixed feelings about him. Yeah, I like, him. I I don't know why. Like, I just I thought he was he was a a kind of a comic relief, but almost a dark comic relief at hmm. some points. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I just thought he worked really well. He got short shift in the season eight, 
What, by ending up as Master of Coin and Lord know, of Highgarden? I know. I know, that's pretty shit. I know, but I think <laughs> the amount of screen time you got given. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. but they, like they had to, there was just so much they needed to mm. squeeze into that amount of time. Um, just I mean, a little side note. He uh, finally got his castle. Yeah, so. exactly, yeah. eventually. A uh, little side note, the, the um, if anyone's ever wondered why he and um, Cersei are never in the same scene together, it's because in real life they, they can't stand each other. Yeah, they used to go out, didn't they? Yeah, apparently they dated mm. for a while. Jerome and Flynn and... And uh, Lena, uh, Lena Hedy. Lena uh, Hedy. Yeah, it did, I did not, not know that. Yeah. It did not end well, and so they're not in any scenes together. No. Um, I don't know... Oh. Like there was there was this shots of like table reads and stuff in the documentary, and I was I was looking closely to see. I was like, wonder if they're in the same room there, but because apparently like <laughs> they just will not be in the same room together. They just fundamentally dislike yeah. each other. Yeah, it got really bad. Um, I think they were, yeah. they were okay for a season or two, then it just got fell apart. Um, who's got the better lines? Do you reckon in the show, uh, Bron or the Hound? Like, uh, definitely the hound. He the hound's some got some corkers, stellar lines. But there's like ones like in the first season when they're going, when uh, Tyrion's being taken to the Eyrie, and he says something about like, uh, it's, they say it's impregnable, and Bron says like, "Give me ten good men and some climbing spikes, I'll impregnate the bitch." <laughs> like that. Like, they gave him some really good lines. But yeah, uh, I, I'd uh, say the hound I, overall. I can't remember what the line is, but. Um, is it lots of people name their swords lots of cunts <laughs> well that I mean that's one of them um, but some of his interaction with Ian McShane oh yeah Ian McShane yeah some yeah. of his interaction with very, albeit very brief interaction mm-hmm. with Ian McShane um, there's a, a a conversation that they have which is um, which is just brilliant yeah, um, and that—that's one of those, <clears throat> one of those conversations that that made me laugh out loud. Yeah. Um, in fact, quite a lot of uh, the hounds' um, dialogue, where he's just being himself, yeah. uh, makes me laugh out. <laughs> made me laugh out loud. Yeah. There's one scene in um, I don't know if it's season three or season four. Uh, when he is, he's with Arya, and they stop off at that, like uh, the tavern, the tavern place. Yeah, and there's yeah. the there's the tickler, uh, the dude who was like torturing people at Harrenhal. Yeah, and the hound goes off on like the whole ranting about chickens. Bring me one of those chickens. You got money to pay for it. You paid for it. <laughs> no, but we're the king's men. So, you got money. Not a penny. I'll still take that chicken. You're a talker. Listening to talkers makes me thirsty and hungry. Think I'll take two chickens. You don't seem to understand the situation. I understand that if any more words come pouring out your cunt mouth, I'm going to have to eat every fucking chicken in this room. You lived your life for the king. You're gonna die for some chickens. Someone is. So many. There's, there's so many good characters. We'll have to come on to like some of our favourite bits uh, later on. Um, 
Blimey, we've got so much to... I want to have to wrap through a few more of the, the, the seasons a little bit quicker. So season four, everybody gets what they want. Joffrey gets poisoned at his own wedding and dies yeah. horribly. It's fantastic. That um, is that was good. a pretty... Yeah. It, it's pretty visceral a scene just for kind of how graphic it is. Mm. Yeah. Like when his and his eyes are all like bloodshot and his face is turning purple and whatnot and Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Uh but that sets in play um like one of my favourite and then most upsetting like course of events in the entire books and T V show. Um is when off the back back of that Tyrion gets blamed and Oberyn Martell comes up from uh from Dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh and um he has some incredible interactions with with so many of the the he has great amazing interactions with with Tywin Lannister, Cersei, with Varys, uh and then there's one particular scene when he goes to the the, the dungeons to to meet Tyrion. And he tells the whole story about how he, um, when they travelled to Cast City Rock, uh, when he was younger and Tyrion was a baby, and he heard all these stories about how he's a monster and how disappointed he was to find just a baby. Yeah. Um, and then t- he starts to talk about what happened to his sister uh, and her children at the hands of uh, the Hound's brother, the Mountain. And then he says that he's going to fight for him. And then you're like, oh, someone, this is great. Like, someone's going to take down the mountain because the mountain is an asshole. And Oberyn's so fucking cool. And then they have that fight and he's winning. And you think it's over. And then, see, I I knew this was, I knew it was coming because I'd read it in the books the same way as I knew, like, the Red Wedding was coming and the Purple Wedding because I'd read it in the books. And it was still shocking to see it because, like, dude crushes his head like a melon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's that. <laughs> yeah. That was another kind of what the fuck moment for mm-hmm. me because you're like, oh shit, and I mean, obviously it's a bit. It was a bit different for me because I knew that obviously the hound uh, carries on throughout uh, later on in the series, mm-hmm. um, and I knew that uh, it was still Thor Bjornsson, which I didn't realize that they'd recast three from- times. Three times. There have been three different actors oh, that have played the, the guy who plays the mountain in the. Uh, there's a guy who plays the mountain in the first season. Yeah. Uh, and then they uh, they cast some ex rugby player, and he plays the mountain in like seasons two and three. Like if you see oh, okay. like the scene, like he has a couple of lines of dialogue mm-hmm. um, at, at Harren Hall with Tywin, and it's a different actor. And then okay. they they uh, they brought in the the Icelandic. Yeah, man mountain, mm. um, who's carried on playing for the rest of the show. Yeah, I think he, only, he was only in nineteen episodes, and he doesn't have to say anything. No, no well, he had to squeeze in like uh, the um, Soda Stream adverts and things like that. On the other side. <laughs> he just plays yeah, a zombie be... mountain, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and to be fair, having seen him do those adverts and the water adverts, um, I can see why they didn't give him any lines. So when they make him undead, I. I don't think he actually says anything for other than a. Uh, no, he doesn't say he doesn't say anything. Um, it, um, in the books, um, the seasons. Yeah, I mean that that happens in the books, and then in in like, so they just went out straight away in the TV show and said like, 
like when they bring him back, Kyburn is like, here's the mountain. Uh, in the yeah. books, he's he has the fight and then he presumably dies. And then Kyburn introduces this giant mute character called Sir Robert Strong. I think mm-hmm. that's what he's called, Andy. Thank you, um, yeah. And it's heavily implied that it's the mountain, but not explicitly said. Um, although everyone's pretty sure. Uh, but yeah, he doesn't he doesn't say anything again, which is probably a no. good thing. Um, uh, it's not his strong point. He He's there to look mean and look imposing, and he does that very well. And anything else just particularly outstanding, like all like standout happen in that season? Do you remember? Season four. Um, oh shit! Watchers on the Wall, one of my favourite episodes. Uh, when the um, so after John's been hanging out with the wildlings, he then kind of returns back to what he's supposed to be doing and leaves them and goes back to the Night's Watch and the Wildlings, a bunch of them breach the wall, uh, climb over the wall and attack from the south and the main force, uh, Mount's Raider, lights the biggest fire the north has ever seen uh, and then assaults the wall and there's that, yeah, that, the huge um, battle sequence, like some of, some of the best shot uh, battle sequences in the show. That's I think, where, when... Um... Stannis Baratheon joins in as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, that's like um so there's there's the Watchers on the I think that's the next episode. There's the the Watchers on the Wall. Right. Um okay. and then they manage to repel them, but they're still there. And then John yeah. goes out on his own to parlay with Mance Raider, and then Stannis Baratheon turns up yeah, with all of his army. Yeah. Um after following some prophecy, one of the many, many prophecies that Melisandre has that turned out to be wrong. Um, and then, so it's the only really other really huge thing that happens that season is, uh, oh, of course, uh, after um, uh, Joffrey's murder, as we find out later, his poisoning, um, Sansa gets whisked away and she goes up to the Eyrie with uh, Littlefinger, the yeah. creepiest man in the Seven Kingdoms. Um, and there's lots of weird interactions between him and Liza and, um, and her titty sucking 10 year old son, um, (laughs) Robin, that, that whole dynamic between the, uh, Robin, Robin Aaron and, um, the mom and he just wants to see the bad man fly. Yeah, and he's it's hungry. Just, it's really uncomfortable. Like <laughs> he, that made me feel re- of all the stuff in the show that happens, like the incest, the brutal murder, the immolation. Mm-hmm. That's what makes me the most uncomfortable. Those scenes when he sat on her knee, having his lunch. Yeah, yeah. And it, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, pleasant. We'll, we'll have to come back to him because he turns up again in season eight and uh, it was almost unrecognizable. But um, yeah, I yeah, guess the only other big thing that happens in that season is um, with the help of Jamie and Varys, Tyrion escapes, but not before he stops off to choke um, Shay to death and then shoot his dad a couple of times with the crossbow. Mm. Uh, mm. And Tywin had it coming, but... Uh, what happened in this series? Yeah, it was the end of that series. It was the end of um, end of season four. 
Yeah, you also get Brian and the Hound having a massive fight. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I thought, like, because um, I can't remember if the Hounds come back. and Oh, no, yeah, sorry, no. Yeah, so the ha- the so Arya leaves the Hound to die after Brienne basically yeah. kick, beats his ass and then kicks him off the edge of a mountain. Yes, and then like the, and that happens in the books as well. And then there is kind of uh, there's some stuff that happens that's kind of similar to the uh, Lovejoy building a church thing. And mm. there's a character called the Grave Digger, mm. who fans think is the Hound, but they're not entirely sure, but. As like the the show's pretty much confirmed that it is going to be the hound, but yeah. in the books he hasn't um, officially returned from his seemingly seeming death at the hands of uh, Brienne when he gets mm. pushed off that cliff. That was a good fight. That was probably a better fight than Clegane Bowl, I thought. Um, uh, season five. Uh, there's a lot of upsetting stuff that happens, a lot of disappointing stuff that happens. Season five had quite a lot of, spent quite a lot of time with the Dornish, um, and they get very um, underused. Yeah, to be honest, Dawn is a, a like a major part of like the mythos of Game of Thrones, and they they feature a lot more in the books. Um, the Dornish have a lot to do with uh, young Griff, who's a character who's not in the TV show, but may or may not be another Targaryen uh, in the books. Um, and so, yeah, in this season, they kind of get a little bit uh, overlooked. The only thing that happens is Jamie and, well, um, Ilaria Sand, who was uh, the Red Vipers paramour, her and her daughters kill the Prince of Dawn and take over, I guess. And then Dr. Jamie Bashir. and um, sorry, yeah. oh yeah, Doctor Bashir. Bashir from yeah. um, Deep Space Nine. From uh, it is Deep Space yeah, it Nine. Deep yeah, Space yeah, it was DS Nine. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah uh, and then Jamie and Bron go down there to try and take back um, one of their daughters. Uh, one of Jamie and Cersei's daughters, not Jamie and Bronn. Um, and they kind of, it doesn't work and they spend some time in prison and that's a, like it, that's about all that really happens in Dawn and it should have been a way bigger yeah. part of the story, um, unfortunately. Uh, what else happens in that? Um, oh, yeah. Sansa gets married to Ramsay Bolton. Yeah. And they have a lovely first night oh, yeah. as a married couple. Mm-hmm. Um one of the more upsetting scenes uh, alongside Jamie forcing himself on Cersei next to Joffrey's body in the Sept of Baylor. Uh, that was, uh, that was, yeah, not good. Um, yeah, uh, Tyrion and um, Varys were on their way to, to get Daenerys mm. and then Jorah, who'd been exiled, kidnaps mm. Tyrion and does attempts to do exactly what Varys was already doing yeah. and yeah. ends up getting grayscale in the process and then getting captured and, and enslaved and having to fight in a gladiator's pit and <clears throat> a lot of weird stuff happens with them. Yeah, but to the very um, level interplay was brilliant, I thought, in that season. Yeah, yeah, they were, yeah. Um, and we got to see the only glimpse we ever got in the show of seeing old Valyria, like the ruins of, mm. of, of where the Targaryens came from and 
Um, uh, yeah, there were some there were some really good in, uh, interactions with those two. Um, the uh, the season had the rise of the uh, the sparrows, like the faith militant mm, and the yeah. high sparrow who kind of take over the city and imprison Marjorie and Cersei. And then Cersei has to do her naked walk of shame, yeah. which spawned a thousand memes. Uh, and then um, was it in this season where she when she gets out and she's going to be on trial? And I don't know if it was season six or season seven where she blows up the Sept of Baylor. Uh, uh, I think that's either at the end. I think this. That's. I think it might be the end of this season. Yeah. 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 It is actually. Yeah. So yeah, the, the last but one episode was Hard Home. Um, John goes north and goes to where all the wildlings, the, the left, the wildlings who were left after Matt's Redder gets crushed, and tries to convince them to come south. Mm. And then the White Walkers turn up, and there's um, that okay. whole. Uh, and the Night King, yes. The thing is that the first time. No, it's not the first time we see the Night time. King because there's a scene where one of um, Craster's babies gets taken off to the, the lands of Always Winter, and you f- that's where you first see the Night King because he turns the baby into a baby White Walker. But it's the first time you see what he can do when all the all those wildlings get slaughtered, and then he's like standing on the edge of the pier, staring at Jon Snow, and raises his arms, and Mastodon come back from the dead. Um, yeah. That that whole season, that the whole sequence was fucking nuts. Like, the, the I think that might have been. I don't know if it was that or uh, uh, Watchers on the Wall, where they started to establish this motif of whenever there is a battle with with Jon Snow in, there has to be one long tracking shot where he gets followed going through all the carnage. And um, he just ninjas the fuck out of everyone. Yeah, and everything in the background. Like, I don't know if they they mute it or they have music playing over it and you don't actually have any of the action sound effects um, in the background. Um, um, there, there is... So, the Battle of the Bastards um, had did some really interesting thing with the sounds uh, and that's when after Ramsay shoots um, Rickon and uh, John's standing in the middle and all the like the horses are like charging down him and he's like he draws his sword and like the music's like rising to a swell and then just yeah. when they're about to hit the music stops and like the two two fronts of cavalry just crash into each yeah. other and then it's just yeah. chaos um yeah they do some amazing things with the sound like one of the standout things for the, throughout the entire show regardless of how Good, you thought the quality of like the writing and the acting and the storytelling and whatnot was all the way through the sound design and the music, especially the music, has been fantastic. One of my favorite sequences in the entire show is in the last episode of season six when Cersei blows up the Scepter Baylor. And yeah. it's the whole sequence yeah. when she's sort of getting, you know, getting herself ready, drinking wine and whatnot, and then there's, like, people in the set to bail are waiting for her to arrive, and then the um, Lancel goes off to try and to, to retrieve her and then spots, like, one of the kids, um, one of Pycelle's sparrows now uh, that Varys has gone, uh, and he follows him and gets stabbed and then sees the wildfire and it's this whole sequence and then marjorie in the scepter baylor realizing what's going on and she's saying to the 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 high sparrow that like cersei isn't here because she doesn't intend to face the consequences and all the way through uh, this piece of music called light of the seven is playing and it's 
I think it's possibly my favorite piece of, of Ramin Jawali's um, soundtrack throughout all of the seasons. And then okay. that's that song just builds and builds and builds as it's going through, and then boom, like the music stops as the scepter baler explodes, uh, and it's just this perfect, like perfect pacing, perfect sound design, music, the the, the visual effects, everything about that sequence is incredible. I take that sequence over any of the the big battles, um, to be honest. I thought, yeah, absolutely loved that. Um, Anyone else got any standout moments from that season? Uh, not really no. a moment, just uh, kind of Jonathan Price. Oh, general. yes. Yeah, yeah another incredible piece of casting. Yeah. he. I think it's just because he's not overtly uh, aggressive. Like, he's not aggressive with anything that... Um, anything that he does no he he's he's a he's a fanatic but like it's weird he's he's like he he, the way that he carries out his judgments and the way that the sparrows uh the faith militant do everything it's very reminiscent of like spanish inquisition and like yeah persecution of anyone who wasn't a like a catholic in europe in like you know years gone by but his demeanor is kind of like peaceful church of england's uh, sort of like you know local vicar he'd invite you around for a a cup of tea and a bit of cake yeah and then crucify you but he'd end up convincing you to to carve the seven pointed star into your forehead and go around beating up um brothel owners and whatnot um Oh yeah, we forgot to mention that this season. This season ends with the one of the last things that happens in the books, uh, as far as George R. R. Martin's written as well, which is mm. uh, Jon Snow getting killed, killed. by uh, fucking Ollie, yeah. little prick, and the other members of the of the Night's Watch for betraying them. Mm. Yeah, um, he takes a fair few stabbings. Know, he does. does. He does. Yeah, it's very Caesar esque. So yeah, in the books, that's like they end on the cliffhanger of Jon Snow's being killed, and then there's a whole other thing that isn't in the TV show at all, which I kind of wish had been, but I kind of understand why they didn't do it. So, uh, do you have any intention of reading the books? Me? Yeah. Uh, I'll say yes, but I, I won't. Okay, Sorry. all right. Well, I'll drop a spoiler then if you probably won't. Um, in the books, uh, the a Brotherhood Without Banners find... Um, uh, oh, God, what's her name? The Stark mum. Paul K. Oh, Catelyn Stark. 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 They find Catelyn oh, Stark's body yes. and bring her back. But she's been in the river for a while uh, and <laughs> her throat was cut, so she can't talk anymore and she's a little bit messed up and she's... And well, she's just like the embodiment of rage and a, a lust for revenge. And she's called mm. Lady Stoneheart, and she is on a mission to kill everyone who wronged her and anyone who helped anyone who wronged her. And the book ends with her about to hang Brienne of Tarth for having dared to help Jamie Lannister. And I've been waiting to find out what happens for eight years. 
years since the last It's been eight years since the last book. 2011. Blimey. Yeah. Back when uh, when they started making the show, George R. R. Martin promised the showrunners that he would have the last two books written by the time they got to the end, and he didn't even finish one of them. At, at this stage, the the last two books are basically going to be novelizations of the TV series, aren't they? There's there's too there's much, too much other stuff. Like there's there's loads of stuff. There is another Targaryen kid. There is another. Um, there's there is another Greyjoy, uh, Euron's brother Victarion. Um, who is a madman? Um, there's a whole, there's loads of loads of stuff. There's loads of changes in in the books as well. Like uh, Rob Stark's wife doesn't die at the red wedding in the books, uh, and n- oh, okay. numerous other changes. Um, uh, just, just speaking of, uh, you mentioned the Brotherhood without banners. Mm-hmm. So obviously you've got uh, Paul K. And yeah, um, that was a crazy bit of casting. Oh gosh, I can't remember what his name is now. The one who plays Beric Dondarrion. Yeah, um, um, I can't remember the actor's name. No, but uh, you just have th- those two, um, and again, their interactions with mm-hmm. the Hound, um, particularly just after Ian McShane gets murdered, and uh, he says, "Oh yeah," and uh, he's bargaining hound, of which one he yeah. can kill. Which one he can kill? Yeah, and uh, basically the hound says, uh, "Once upon a time, I would have gutted all of you just to kill these cunts." <laughs> <laughs> and there's a one of my, there's a really good interaction between um, in the night before the Battle of Winterfell in season eight, when Beric comes up and he says, "Like Thoros isn't here anymore, so I hope you're not about to give a sermon. Because if you are." The Lord of Light's gonna wonder why I brought you back 19 times just to watch you die when I chuck you over this fucking wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The hound's the best. Um, season six. Um, Jon Snow comes back from the dead because mm. Melisandre turns up and decides that well, um, maybe Stannis wasn't the Lord of Light. Maybe this guy's the Lord of Light. So I'll bring him back from the dead. He comes back from the dead. Hangs all of the traitors, including Ollie. Fuck Ollie. Um, Bran Stark comes back, back after having not been in the previous season at all, and he he's trained to become the the, the three eyed Raven, who's sort of like a. Um, do either of you guys watch um, uh, American Gods? No, yes. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. I have. He's basically a cross between Argus Panoptes, like the all the all seeing god of surveillance, and mm. um Mimir from Norse mythology, who was like memories and stories. Um yeah. he's basically becoming a mix of those two um, mythological characters. Um what else happens? Euron Greyjoy turns up, um, instantly becomes everyone's least favourite character, yeah. uh, kills off his brother, uh, chases off um, Yara and um, and Theon, and they decide they're gonna they're gonna piss off and um, go and join Daenerys. Uh, one of the most upsetting episodes in the entire show happens when um, 
Bran gets a little bit cocky when he's walking and gets a, the Night King's mark on him and then the Night King mm. turns up and they have to escape and he goes back he's he's walking back in time and messes up Hodor's brain so much yeah. that you find out why he can only say Hodor what else happened uh oh the the beginning of like the the hardest shipping in any fandom of anything ever happened with um Brienne and Tormund yes um I wanted it to happen so much yeah uh what else happened Oh yeah, the Hound didn't hadn't died. He's hanging out with Ian McShane. There's the Battle of the Bastards, which is like one of like it's like fucking the beach from Saving Private Ryan levels of just chaos and blood and yeah, it's messed up. And then um, it did end quite satisfyingly. I liked I quite I was quite happy to see Ramsay Bolton fed to his own dogs. Uh, what else happened? Oh yeah, the only th- the only other thing that major that really happened was Daenerys finally gets on her ships uh, with with all the the Unsullied and the mm. Dothraki and everyone and starts heading over to Westeros. Mm. Um, well, basically, the last episode is a kill fest, isn't it? They just yeah. kill lo- what you find. Yeah, because yeah, it's the end of that season. Sorry, that's the Sept of Baylor when she when yeah. she blows it up, and then Tom and yeah. Tom and just has had enough and jumps out of a window. Yeah. Basically, after what you get all the machinations of spies and all the behind-the-scenes things, season six just crashes down saying, that, that's over. No more spies. Yeah. No more machinations behind the scenes. We're killing all these characters off. Boom. And that is a... I don't know. I suppose you could say that's maybe the start of a downfall mm. of Game of Thrones. I, I don't know. Um, it kind of I know it's so, the, the no. pace upped, starting with season seven. The pace start, and I, I noticed it, and like it can't, it bothered me a bit, but it it didn't really detract that much from my enjoyment of it. But like season seven is when it starts, like character starts the episode on one, at one end of the continent, and then by the end of the episode, they're on the other end of the continent. It's like there's there's even like for a show that had always had a rather shaky grasp of time spans it got kind of ridiculous in season seven well all these players um, all these characters found the fast travel button yeah 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 basically yeah they'd leveled up enough to unlock fast travel <laughs> um so season seven <laughs> opens with uh aria who's returned from um from bravos to uh, uh to, to westeros and she kills all of the phrase just all of them mm. In one fell swoop, yeah. which is pretty good. Um, she feeds. Does she not feed? Oh yeah, she feeds. She feeds um, Walder, Walder Frey, Frey two of his sons, two, two of his sons in, yeah. in a pie. Oh, yeah. Do you reckon she learned how to bake that from hot pie? I hope so. Uh, I, I, I'd like. I'd like to think that she learned something from hot pie. Um, because there's a scene in an early uh, early on in the show when they meet up again, and he's banging on about how important it is to get the gravy right, and I was like, my man. Oh, the gravy! Don't get me started on the gravy. Very difficult to get right. See, a lot of people give up on the gravy. You cannot give up on the gravy. No gravy, no pie. Simple as that. Daenerys comes back to Dragonstone, and then she's teaming up with everyone that Cersei has managed to piss off. So. Um, pretty much everyone. Yeah, uh, pretty much everyone. Um, one of the best characters in the show, um, Elena Tyrell. Um, 
Lady Lady Thorns or well, I can't remember what her nickname is. Um, the bitchiest character yeah. in the entire show. But a great character. Oh, so good. She's so good. Um, yeah, she's up at Dragonstone. Um, so is uh, so are the Sand Snakes. They're up there. So Dawn's on her side. Um, Yara Greyjoy is there. So she's got some of the Ironborn at least. Um, things looking pretty good for Danny at this point. It looked like it was going to be a pretty fell swoop. She'd have mm. everyone. Um, things don't go quite so well. Uh, Jamie finally learns how to be deceptive and um, <laughs> captures, well, abandons custody rock so that he can go and capture uh, Highgarden and kill Elena. Um, and then. With one of my other favorite lines in the series I'd hate to die like your son, clawing at my neck, foam and bile spilling from my mouth, eyes blood red, skin purple. Must have been horrible for you, as a king's guard, as a father. It was horrible enough for me. A shocking scene. Not at all what I intended. You see, I'd never seen the poison work before. Tell Cersei. I wanted to know it was me. Oh, Gendry comes back in this series hey, after... He stopped rowing. Yeah, after rowing for... Three seasons? What, three seasons, yeah. Yeah, he'd been away for a while. Uh, and he's yeah he's been I hanging did, I... out down in um, Flea Bottom, and he's made a giant hammer. Yeah, uh, and he's now a, a, a grade-A badass with his with said giant hammer. Yeah, yeah, when they go down onto the beach and uh, nearly get arrested by Kevin Eldon um, and someone else. Yeah, uh, and <laughs> yeah, and Gendry just like caves their skulls in with his big hammer. Um, what else happens? Uh, oh yeah, Euron assault. Uh, Euron captures the 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 Sand Snakes, um, kills two of them, and then gives the other two like the um, oh, I can't remember the mother's name and, and the daughter, the surviving daughter, gives them to Cersei, and then Cersei mm-hmm. poisons the daughter. And there's, there's the whole thing where she's like, "I'm, I'm gonna, they're gonna, we're gonna force feed you, uh, and we'll have people come to to replace the candles every hour to make sure that you have to sit here and watch your daughter die and then her body rot." Yeah. And fucking Cersei is mm. so dark sometimes. But that was messed up. Um, Arya and Sansa have a little bit of fallout. Not all of that made sense, but the payoff was great because fuck Littlefinger and seeing him get his throat cut was great. Um, although there was one moment before that happens when he's talking to Bran uh, and Bran says, chaos is a ladder. And that's a line that Littlefinger had said in an earlier season to, to Varys. And no one else was present during that scene. And there's mm. this look on Littlefinger's face like, what the fuck did he know I, sa- I said that? Mm. Um, which was great. Um, you get beyond the wall, you get the Night King. Well, we get the spoils of war first, which mm. was the one of the first like really messed up sequences. Well, big big like battle sequences. You finally get to see Daenerys unleash her her dragon, or at least one of her dragons, and 
the Dothraki when they assault the um, the the gold train that's heading back from High Garden back yeah. to Castle Rock, but uh, back to um, King's Landing. Uh, lots of people getting burned alive, um, and the Dothraki being Dothraki and slaughtering lots of people, and Jamie being real dumb and charging headfirst at a dragon <laughs> until Bronn decides to save him. Um, whatever they pay Bronn, even though he ends up with High Guard at the end, he didn't get paid enough. Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Um, and yeah, we get Beyond the Wall, which is. Um, one of the dumbest plans I've ever seen anyone enact um, to go north of the wall to capture a, a white walker uh, sorry to capture a white to take south to show Cersei so that she will send her armies north even though surely at this point everyone know that like Cersei would, would never help anyone other than herself under any circumstances um and they end up losing a few unnamed wildlings and um, Thoros of Myr, um, which is a shame. I liked his character. Uh, and one of Daenerys' dragons. He yeah. gets resurrected as an ice dragon. And knocks down the wall. Yeah, knocks down the wall and nearly killed Tormund. And like, I wasn't sure for the entire like two-year break between the end of season seven and the beginning of season eight. I was like, Tormund better be alive, or I am just <laughs> not gonna. I'm just, I won't watch the show anymore because he's my and, boy. Uh, and uh, they reintroduce Benjin. Oh yeah, yeah. Well. Benjin Stark. Yeah. Yes. Um. So he is kind of um. Well, there's a character in the books called Cold Hands. Who okay. you're not sure whether it's Benjamin or someone else. He has more of a role in the book, so he, he's involved yeah. a little bit more. But Benjamin is basically I, cold hands, I think. I just like that he's got a fire mace. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or m- Morning Star. Morning Star. Yeah, he turns up a couple of times. He, sa- he helps save um, <clears throat> Bran and um, what's her name? Mira, that's it. Mira Reed uh, after the Hodor incident, and then he comes back and yeah. helps save John after the Beyond the Wall debacle. Um, nothing else really happened in that season, to be honest. Um, it's all set up for last season. It all set up for well, there is we we get the 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 scene in the Dragon Pit when um they they bring the the white down yeah, and show yeah. and there's the, like the council and there's like this area full of everyone who kind of wants to murder each other and there's some really really good interactions yeah. between certain characters there uh yeah that was a great scene um but yeah and then on to season eight and um so the first two episodes are kind of quite slow table setting yeah, I think showing. the best, well, some of the best episodes of that season. Though, I think season the, two. Oh, sorry, it's season two, episode two in particular. I'd say. Yeah, I think like they have some of the character. If you if you think about the season, there's not many character moments that replicate season one and the earlier seasons. Yeah, and the first two um, do that. Yeah. Know? Episode two particularly was mm. just like nothing but that. There were some incredible scenes. Uh, in particular, like I, I, I had a, a, a like I read an article after this episode season episode two came out that the kind of like 
rang quite true with me, and it was reminded. Have either you played the um, the Citadel DLC for Mass Effect Three? No. No. Okay. Um, so the Citadel DLC was something that they added on after the game came out, and people already finished it, unfortunately. But it's set just before. Um, it, it, it's it's set before the events of the end of the game, and it's kind of like everyone hangs out. Um, and it's kind of like a final sort of Shepard and all the other characters final interactions before they go into this final conflict from which most of them will probably never return and that season had a lot of a feeling that it was like all these characters and like at that point we were like how many of these people are actually going to survive what's Mm. about to happen Uh, and so added like an extra bit of weight to it and so scenes like the one where Brienne gets knighted yeah um loved it absolutely loved that scene um we find out why Tormund is called Tormund Giants Bane um yeah (laughs) because he killed a giant and then climbed in bed with his wife and suckled at her teat uh, and the way he tells it and then just drains his horn of ale and everyone's just sitting there looking horrified. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not even its not even ale that he's drinking, is it? I it's, don't know what it is. Um, oh, I think he says it's fermented milk or... Um, uh, not ferment. Yeah, fermented milk. Yeah. So it's basically like alcoholic milk. Oh, like fight milk from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, I'll have to take your word for it. Fight milk is something that they come up with that show, which is just milk, uh, pure grain alcohol, and crow's eggs mixed together. <laughs> right. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. Th- th- those first two episodes were, were were really good, especially episode two. For 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 all of the complaints people have got about this season, that it was like. You didn't get much of that dialogue that you had in the early seasons, but then we got an entire episode of nothing but that. It was just yeah. characters talking for an entire episode, and I loved it. That was great. Was this the episode with the Starbucks cup? Uh, no, no, that 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 was four. episode. That's four. Uh, yeah, that was episode four. Yeah, because that's after the okay. Battle of Winterfell. Yeah, um, Battle of Winterfell. That was quite a momentous event. Um, oh, yeah. a, a quite a momentous filming schedule as well. 55 straight nights of filming. Mm. Um, for that, two towns. Yeah, but... Helms Deep. But, uh, but actually dark. Yeah. Um. I was actually I was listening to a podcast when they're talking about this, and like because lots of, after this episode came out, lots of people complaining about it. it was too dark. I couldn't see anything that was happening, and they were comparing it to Helm's Deep, and like Helm's Deep is supposed to take place at night, but everything's brilliantly lit. Mm. And apparently, in that um, while they were filming that, um, Orlando Bloom or I think it was Orlando Bloom went to the director of photography and said like where are all the lights coming from? And the director of photography said, the same place that the music's coming from, which I thought was quite a great comeback. Um, But yeah, they try to make it a more more realistic, like, yeah, and I I think it worked. Like, yeah, it was difficult to make out what was happening at various points, but but that's that's kind of the point. That's the point of the battle. 
you were, yeah it was it was in... happening at night in a in a storm yeah um yeah i i'm not sure i necessarily agree with that but i if i need to turn all the lights off in my front room and turn the brightness up on my tv just to be able to watch a tv series uh to watch a tv show then it's too dark <laughs> i suspect yeah. i suspect that'll be a bit of a better a little better in blu-ray than 4k yeah um, oh yeah more than likely but yeah i mean i watched it live on now tv yeah so, so um oh so were yeah, you still... were you streaming it yeah, so yeah. I'm streaming it. Uh, so on TV. lots of people had the problem streaming it. Uh, people who play who watched it on uh, HBO uh, Now and people who watched it on other streaming platforms is the compression uh, kind okay. of messed up with it. But the the, the 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 director of photography came out afterwards and uh, and said the way that they shot it works if you're watching it broadcast in HD or 4K or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the compression that goes into streaming it kind of messed with that quite a bit, which is in this day and age, that's kind of how most people are going to watch it. So they probably should have yeah. thought of that. But yeah. yeah, you know, he decided not to sacrifice his artistic vision to <laughs> make it easy for people streaming it to be able to see better. But anyway, um, t- uh, some questionable tactical decisions oh, in yes. this show: yes. sending your cavalry out first having your ballista in front of your infantry and then firing it once and then not being able to use it again uh, but that aside I thought this episode was fantastic like I, I don't know about it was, I, I saw Warhammer General in the past who <laughs> fought um, many times the undead I wondered how long it would take uh, This I have massive problems with this episode like you said you do not send cavalry in against the undead cavalry are shock troops designed to create fear panic in troops so what do you do? You yeah, s- but it made for a good shot. Well, that's, that's spectacle rather than realism, then. Right. Yeah, but I saw a, t- a, t- a t- well, I guess after I've just been arguing that <laughs> it was filmed in pitch black to make it more realistic, but then I know. I know, so, but there's been there's been a lot of really dodgy tactical decisions uh, yeah. in I this am, show. Yeah, and right from you, the very beginning. And you've got a big fuck off castle. You've got a big fuck off castle. You stay mm-hmm. in the castle. You man the walls. You put the ballista on the walls. Yes. You put the the trenches in front of all of your troops. Yes. Um, you don't use the cavalry in that way whatsoever. No. But 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 it made for like it made for some really visually spectacular moments it, when Melisandre comes and lights their swords and they charge in and then all right, like, a spectacle. But and then as the lights go out one by one, that yeah. was that was kind of cool. Tactically, like, I mean, you fight the undead, no fucking way. I know, but then you're fighting the undead, so tactics kind of go out they the window. Tactics. They are tactics. Yeah. I've fought many times, I have won many times, been defeated <laughs> many times, but had I been there, there'd have been less deaths on the Northern Army, trust me. All right, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, yeah, the, 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 the whole first section with that and then the the army like being this unstoppable wave and then yeah. everyone having to retreat um the unsullied in the, that whole sequence was so fucking good like yeah. so like disciplined and 
uh, the, the way they were like protect, protecting the retreat, and then they come out to to escort Melisandre out to light the trench because the dragons can't see anything because Danny decided to ignore the plan and fuck off with her dragon instead of waiting for the Night King to turn up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was like the whole like second act of the of the of, of it when it kind of became like Evil the Last Dead. of Us. Evil Dead. That, see, that, that annoyment, that, that jar between the battle and the courtyard, the undead coming over the walls, and mm-hmm. the next minute you've got your following Arya, and he was going through a library, and you've got these, like you said, it's like the last of us. Or like, or like um, the Evil. the kitchen scene in Jurassic Park. Yeah, where these, yeah. Where these zombies at whites are just walking slowly, mm-hmm. like they've been there for years. Well, we haven't been there for years. So why all of a sudden are they moving very, very slow? I don't know. It, that's weird. Um, but it was, I don't know, it was a, it was a good sequence. Um, and It definitely made me want a Game of Thrones zombie movie or a medieval zombie movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that would be, that would yeah, be good, yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, and that Black Plague, I'm sure. Is that? Black I don't Death. know. With Sean Bean. <laughs> does he die? I, I think he does die, but <laughs> death, sure I, mean. I, think, I think that is a zombie. Okay. Well, be um, Beric Dondarrion finally dies his final death, protecting Arya uh, after they go and rescue uh, 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 him and the Hound go and rescue her from almost getting swamped by the Whites. And then she's locked in a room with the Hound and Melisandre, and she reminds her of something that she said seasons ago back when she was in the brotherhood without banners mm. about the how the different colored eyes that she would close and then she says um what's his name the dancing master sirio farrell mm. um the what do we say to the god of death not today mm. and then she then she runs off and then the, i thought it was quite well quite the way that they then structured the rest of the episode was kind of like just bombard you with all of this stuff that's happening so you kind of forget that aria exists like, mm. there's all the stuff with um, the, the, the Dance of Dragons mm. uh, and uh, then trying to burn the Light King with dragon fire, and then as the, like that little smile he gives when the fire subsides. Oof. Uh, and then um, all the whites jumping all over Drogon, like fleas mm. on a dog, and him running off, and then, yeah, and the Night King raising the dead, and then all of the whites coming out of the the crypt, all of the, the, mm. the tombs in the crypts where all the unarmed women and children are. Mm. Um, There's some great Sansa Tyrion moments as well. Yeah, when she's like, "You were the best of them," when they were joking <laughs> about their marriage. Like, well, yeah. To be honest, compared to Ramsay, mm-hmm. I mean, come on. And Joffrey. Yeah, and Joffrey. Yeah. Well, they were never married, but, no, no, but, but I know. But like, out of the out of her suitors, yeah. Tyrion was Tyrion's a nice guy. Um, at least for most of this season, uh, and then um, uh, Theon's death redeemed uh, himself. He actually runs towards his death, yeah, than away. Character redeemed, mm. I'd say. Jamie's redemptions. This is Jamie's redemption episode as well because he's here yeah. at Winterfell. Yeah. Um. um so many uh, the, the, in the uh, behind the thrones thing that was afterwards the director was saying like lots of those shots in the like the final third of the episode were designed as the 
everything's fucked shots he describes it as like uh, uh, the, the camera would pan to all the different characters and it was just like oh they're fucked like yeah. Sam lying in a pile of, of whites desperately trying to stab them and like Brienne and Jamie and Tormund fighting on piles of dead bodies and shit's going south yeah, uh, she was going south before the Night King decided to raise the dead yeah. again, and then it just gets from bad to worse. And then um, Viserion's there, like blowing his blue fire all over mm. the place, and Jon's hiding behind a pillar, like in a video game. Uh, yeah, all of this bombarded like stuff that was going on. I completely forgot the the Arya the Arya was there, mm. and so yeah. when she jumped out of nowhere and onto the Night King I was like oh shit hmm. forgot she existed <laughs> did the White Walker spot moment. of her because there's a scene there's, a, <clears throat> there's one quick scene where the white, a White Walker turns oh you see like his, his hair slightly move like something moves past yeah, him quickly yeah and he just looks mm-hmm. and like and they teed this up for so long um <clears throat> There were little clues that they uh, the the the, uh, the decision to have Arya kill the Night King was apparently made like a good two three years before um th- before the episode was made. Like mm. they decided that that was going to be how it was going to end. And so they managed to tee things up quite a lot, and they dropped lots of hints in season seven and season eight as well. Mm. Like Bran gives that knife to Arya in the exact spot where she would end up killing the Night King mm. and then there's a moment where John's in the Godswood and then Arya's behind him and he's like well how did you sneak up on me and all of the training and everything that she'd been going through and all the all the shit she'd gone through for the past like mm. 70 hours of TV um, kind of yeah. led up to that point and uh, a lot of people honest, on the internet got very upset and called her a Mary Sue I <laughs> I thought it was a bit of a, not lackluster, but I thought it was a bit, um, like, it, they, they've been building up to this mm. over the course of... Six what, seasons? Six. Yeah, six, it's always been this looming six threat and a half, in the background. Seven seasons. Mm. Well, nearly seven and a half series. Um, and it's always been a kind of uh, something that tied the the main story together, yeah. as it were. Um, and then it was like, that's it, done. There was no epic sword fight with um, that I remember with the Night King. It's just kind of Arya comes out of nowhere and jams a blade in him. Hmm. It's like, oh, okay, that's that's that then. <laughs> cool. I do, I do think there's an issue where the reason he's going after Bran so much, it's not fully explained why he's going after Bran. No, it's, that's going to be, I'm sure, covered in the prequel show that yeah, they're starting to film about this year. Before, but you really shouldn't have to rely on a prequel film to fill in the bits where he needs to go after Bran. If you have, because many people, admit, most people might not watch that. So you, to get a complete, come on, man, people will watch it. I, I HBO what, I, are banking on people I, I watching bet you it. Won't, it won't be as popular as Game of Thrones. I think I After this season, it will, be, will not be as popular as Game of Thrones. I don't know. I, I still think that um, the the 
the people voicing their opinions of, about this show on the internet and signing petitions to have the entire season remade and whatnot are a very vocal minority, and the vast majority of people just enjoy it. I think it. that the first couple of episodes will probably be quite popular and then it will tail off. Mm. Well, it depends on how it, what the quality is. I mean, it's a completely different team. Different showrunners, different directors, completely different cast, completely different, or un- well, almost unrecognizable version of Westeros because it's set like eight thousand years before hmm. the events of Game of Thrones. Yeah, but something crazy like that. It's still an issue. Whereas if you have, you, so you have the build-up, what Lewis talked about. You have it's it's a main thread of story that goes through. This is. The end of the world. This is the battle that mankind will either survive or not. If it don't survive, if it loses battle, basically the whole Westeros, the whole world's fucked. So but I think like the theme, like because this is the, the the way that everything ties up. George R. R. Martin has said is largely how things will tie up in the books, like the way that certain secondary characters get there, the the uh, specifics about certain events. Um, may change, but the broad strokes of how this season went is how the books are going to end as well. It's George's vision. Yeah, and um, I'm for the sure, broad and I'm sure George was going to go in a lot more depth and, and probably go well, into in, reasons Well, in the books, why. there is no Night King. Yeah. Like the, the the they're not they're not even called White Walkers. They're just called the Others, and there's mm. just they're they're just this force. There is no leader. They're just this existential dread. But, um, but yeah. the way the TV show structured it is there's this special relationship between Bran and the Night King, but it's never fully explained why he's going to turn all these whites, this massive army, and go especially for Bran. You know, there's this build-up, you know, throughout the whole series. The white, the whites have left this. Chat, remember that in season eight, I think it's the end of season two. I think it's our season one, where these the hang the hang the Stark um the Stark lords up on the um on the up. Oh yeah, they they nail yeah, one nailed. of the young yeah. the not not the Mormon. It's the um it's the uh, oh shit under Stark uh, the Umbers yeah Umber Stark yeah, yeah. last half yeah and um. <clears throat> Yeah, they pin him up to the wall and then set fire to him because he comes back to life. Yeah, so there's this massive... pretty savage. There's this massive threat. And then I'm not so concerned about how it ends, but I'm more concerned about why. And it's not fully explained why. And I think that's a failing of the show. And and that's probably due to the lack of episodes they got. No, actually, let me get this clear. They chose to have for these last season. But but also at the same time, like how are they supposed to convey why the Night King wants to go after Bran? They conveyed how the um, well, Bran could fully explain it. Bran knows. Does but does Bran know why? Because I've, the Night King doesn't speak. Like none of the White Walkers speak. Um, all he knows is. Or all, all you see that he knows is how the Night King was created. Hmm. Uh, and then and that's coming, it. And really? it comes into contact with the Night King. 
Yeah, and it's it's kind of like how do you unless you just literally had like a scene of Bran just sitting there doing being Basil exposition and explaining the the uh, entire you know uh, motivation of the Night King. Uh, it's kind of hard to convey, like in the books, maybe because the all the everything in the books is written as point, like each chapter is a point of view for a different character, and so there can be a lot of inner monologue and and whatnot that they can't do in the show. So I don't know. I, it's it's a uh, <clears throat> lots but, of people have have said they have the same problem. Um, I haven't seen anyone come up with like a a, a a good way of of solving that problem. It might not be a good way, but you could have look. These with some of the best things we've loved about the series when the characters talking. Isn't mm. somebody going to ask Bran going, "Why the fuck is this Night King after you?" Well, <laughs> he does. He does yeah. give an explanation. He says that it's it's because he is the memories of of the world. Um, for instance, like he is now presuming because the other three-eyed crow is dead and the last of the children of the forest are dead, he is the only person who knows or who remembers how the Night King yeah. was made. Ooh. For instance, well, that because and that's what Tyrion says at the end, isn't it? Like, uh, oh wait, no, not Tyrion. Someone says at one point that it's, it's Sam. Is... Sam says about like death is forgetting. Yeah, um, and. Uh, Bran is basically the the memories of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he is Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Which means he can change it to his own design. All right. Okay. Now he is. <laughs> uh, he is for for the older people listening. He is uh, an actual Encarta. Actual. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was going to say an actual book uh, thesaurus. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I liked this episode. Um, it, it was it was the probably the most intense episode of of any TV show I've ever watched. Like it was like there were various points where like I thought I was going to have to stop and like go and stand outside because I might have a panic attack. There was so much stuff going on. Um, it's, it was oppressive in in a way. Uh, but yeah, the Night King's dead. Um, the next episode is the next. The, the, the following episode was the low point of the season for me. Um, we get the whole like the the beginning of of Daenerys realizing that. The, well, the, the scenes at the beginning were great. There's the the the, the mass, the big halves, funeral. It? It's two um, halves. Sorry, it's two halves. Of it. Yeah. Okay. So the first half was great. Yeah. Um, there's the funeral. Um, John gives a great speech. It's a very touching goodbye between Daenerys and and Jorah, uh, and between Sansa and Theon, and so on. Um, and then there's the the the, the party. Um, I don't know if we'll ever find out which one of those cowards shit in Tormund's pants. Um, <laughs> Podrick. Got a cheeky three-way. Um, someone left a coffee cup in shots. Uh, yeah. But the important thing that was going on is like the the fact that Daenerys is starting to realise after having spent like seven seasons pretty much as being revered and loved and called a mother, she's in this place where nobody really cares for her apart from John. Um, and and then and she's just found out that John is her nephew. And the rightful heir to the throne that she wants, 
uh, and she's stuck in this place with Sansa doesn't like her. Uh, none of uh, none of the wildlings seem to like her that much, or not love her. The North, the, the, the people of the North are very suspicious of her mm. because the Northmen are basically racist. I reckon they don't seem to like anyone from the South or anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Um, they only like people from the North. I mean, so she's that's a bit grudging. Yeah, and that's that's quite yeah. They don't like everyone from the north either. Uh, so um, yeah, this is like the sort of like the beginning of the end for Daenerys because she starts to realise that she's managed to rule through a combination of fear and love in Essos, and the love half is not going to work here. Uh, and then the whole second half of this episode happens, and I was a little bit like. Why? Yeah. Um, Euron turns up out of nowhere again. Fucking Euron. Um, Fucking Euron Grey. For the third time, he turns up with his his fleet of invisible ships <laughs> and shoots um, Rhaegal out of the sky. Uh, when I watched it happen, I was like, I couldn't quite believe that had happened. And I thought I'd started to drift off and had to rewind back um, to watch it again. Uh, I did not like that whole sequence. The the her fleet being destroyed, but part of her fleet being destroyed again. Well, that whole sequence Miss, is bullshit. Miss Sunday or Miss Sunday or Me Sunday or whatever <laughs> you want to call her, getting captured by Cersei, uh, and then the whole standoff in front of the 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 walls of, uh, of King's Landing and Miss Sunday getting decapitated and whatnot, and like that whole sequence felt like. Rushed. It it needed that whole sequence needed to be a whole episode, like, uh, or possibly two. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the only part that I felt was truly rushed. I think is that half of that episode, but because so much, so many important things happen in that space of time, that it kind of detracts a little bit from what comes afterwards, because that's supposed to be. The moment where I guess Daenerys starts to turn from, you know, trying to be a good person to being like, I'm going to fucking burn everything. When Miss Sunday says uh, Dracarys just before she gets her head lopped off, and it's like, uh, yeah, it's shit's going to go down. Yeah, I mean, part of me, even that weapon they've got, that's unrealistic as well. The fact that. Kyben scorpion. Yeah, the scorpion. They're having to winch it, and that takes that takes a lot of power because that that rope has to be pretty much taut. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but there's and, one on the front of every single one of your own ships. Yeah, but if you're firing it all the time, it's you, you can't just winch it back in about five seconds. No, it, it's, it's not a repeating thing as well. Plus, well, they 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 managed to get a few shots off uh, on and and take Rhaegal down, and then. They're they're like reloading frantically while Drog while Daenerys is diving dive bombing them with Drogon, and then they just manage to get them loaded and get another volley off uh, before she, which is why she has to peel off and then and run away. I think I think we're just cutting down the um, realism, realistic time thing to reload that weapon, um, just to for a small spectacle. And also, come on, you're aiming at a dragon. You're on a ship. Funny enough. A ship's going to be bobbing about. 
Mm. Um, the dragon's going to be moving. You might get one shot, maybe for neck when they accept. The rest of it, you're not. Because we see, as we see in the next episode, that dragon just lays waste to that fleet, so... Yeah, um, but to be to be fair, she does kind of like it's too. I I I I totally understand the points you're making, and, and I, I I agree to a certain extent. But then also, it was she wasn't expecting it, and Rhaegal was not flying particularly well. Like he was still mm. pretty messed up after having had seven shades knocked out of him by his undead brother in the previous episode. Yeah. Uh, and then when it comes to the next episode with Drogon, Drogon is like Drogon's fucking huge mm. and very fast, and she knows what she's uh, da- da- Daenerys knows what she's up against this time. So that's why she like she dives out of the sun so they can't see properly, mm. and then she's like coming from above and then coming from below so they just can't move the scorpions fast enough to get mm. shots away at her. Um, so she knows what she's doing a little bit more, mm. but but I also get what you're saying. It, it, it that the whole half of second half of the episode I thought was a bit. And also, oof. not only you know, like it says, this fleet of ships just appear. Wouldn't you have your out your vanguard out just or van or van ships, um, just going out in front of your main fleet. Just in case something might be happening, because you're in enemy territory, you know. Just in case. Um, well, she was sailing to Dragonstone, and I know, but you Euron's have... fleet was supposed to be at King's Landing. And I know they're not that far away, but they're far enough away that you'd think it wouldn't be an issue. But as a careful leader, who's been caught by surprise maybe a couple of times, you would have your army of a mm-hmm. vanguard out in front. Just in case. Well, just a few scout ships. Yeah, I know, but we could get bogged down in in tactical realism for hours. This show does not have it. Um, I mean, ultimately, we're talking about a a TV show with uh, frosty zombies and uh, big-ass dragons. Mm -hmm. So, kind of talking about realism is a little bit like splitting heads isn't it yeah <clears throat> pretty much yeah <laughs> um yeah so the penultimate episode the bells that this was um quite they, they had to had to cram quite a lot of character development into this episode and a lot of people didn't buy it um i did i totally kind of saw this uh as being completely plausible um, so, I mean, if we're talking about uh, Daenerys, mm-hmm. then they they kind of start start this sort of. All right, they don't talk about it hugely, but they start this kind of crazy character development from the beginning, yep. where she so she burns the witch. Mm-hmm. Then in one of the seasons, she crucified. Well, even before that, two hundred and sixty odd people. Even before that, in season the beginning of season two, when she's standing outside the gates of Carth and there's just her and like a handful of Dothraki and her baby dragons and they're like dying, and she's like she's threatening to lay waste to their armies and burn their cities to the ground. Yeah. Um, like right from the beginning of, of yeah. and and she's uh, and later on she's saying how she will take what is hers with fire and blood, like all the way through the the show she's 
had her her instincts to just burn everything sort of held at bay by uh, Jorah and Missande and various other characters who are now all gone. And yeah. and like we were saying, uh, she's now in this place where she doesn't have love. All she has is fear. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't have a problem with the arc of a character. I, what I have a problem with is the time they give it to develop. So like you say, the end of the previous episode... And this episode, when she hears the bells, I want, like I've said to you, I want to see a Gollum moment where you have that internal conflict. You wanted to see Daenerys talking to herself? Well, you had to show this conflict <laughs> sometime. Yeah, maybe. Why not? She's, she's no, going mad. No, no, no. no, but... No, she's not mad. That's the thing. I know she's not mad, but what I'm saying is you had to have that conflict within that character because all through the series, they've made her be, a, all right, she does despicable things to the slavers and you could say, argue that the slavers are just doing their job, you know, but a pretty bad job and a horrendous job, but what? But she goes off and kills these people and we all cheer for her because slaves, you know, slavery is a bad thing. So Tyrion explains in the last episode, you know, she, this is her character, this is the arc of her character, fair enough. But to, to not have any form of conflict within this in Daenerys, I think was a mistake. I think there's conflict from the very beginning of this season. When, like, right from the very off, when she sat in um when when she first comes to Winterfell and like the she's not welcomed. Like she's everywhere else she's gone, she's been welcomed as the mother of dragons, the breaker of chains, and she comes to Winterfell and they're like, who is this this foreign invader? Like, she's given the cold shoulder by Sansa, um, by all the Northern Lords. Um, the only person she's got who believes in her from there is is John. But then she finds out the truth about John, and like, how long is she going to stay loyal to him when he has the rightful threat, like rightful claim to the to the one thing that she has always wanted, um, the Iron Throne. And I think there's conflict all the way through this season. It's uh, not. It's not just that, like, you know, final few moments in the uh, of the episode when Miss Sunday gets killed, and then her sitting on a dragon, deciding whether to to burn the place down or not. Which I've got to say, I was quite critical of Amelia Clark all the way through most of the seasons. Like, uh, I didn't. I didn't think she was a particularly good. Um, actress i still don't think kit harrington's a particularly good actor um he, he does he does his job quite well but he's not like he's not amazing he he only has one mode yeah <laughs> which is i don't want it broody. yeah <laughs> yeah he does broody very well like i'm, I'm being unfair he, he's he's a great johnstone i can't think of anyone who would have been well, able to do it better well yeah but to the point where they even where um Tyrion even makes a joke about when I think when they're both at Dragonstone and he Tyrion says oh I came up to up here to brood but you've already beaten me to it and you're so much better at it than I am (laughs) it's like if you're you've got characters taking the piss out of other characters for not character flaws but 
uh, kind traits. of yeah character traits then surely I don't know there, something doesn't quite well that's quite add that up is there. Jon Snow's character really is just brooding yeah. brooding and duty all he cares about is being broody and doing his duty because he see. is despite the fact that he is not Ned Stark's son he is the most like Ned Stark out of any of his kids mm. yeah yeah true and see that's another thing that brings me another issue Daenerys and Jon that relationship no it didn't have the weight it didn't no, have that it, it, but it I don't did. think that I think that's more to do with the fact that just those two actors just didn't have great chemistry no but I, I'll tell you what I did liken it to as bad as being Attack of the Clones no, no, yeah. I, I will I, I not take like that. An, no, if if uh, Jon Snow had started saying, "I hate sand," uh, it gets everywhere, and all that nonsense. It's um, no more like it hits. No, I hit ice. It, it gets everywhere. You, 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 getting a bit nerdy for me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you you mentioned earlier about Danny sitting on uh, on dragons. Mm. One thing that I'm sure a lot of people would have noticed, uh, particularly the tacticians among us, uh, <laughs> is why the fuck did no one build her a saddle for a dragon? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Surely it would be. I don't. Maybe it's because I I watched How to Train Your Dragon three after great film the last episode, great film, which is a great film, but um. Yeah, like I don't know why, why they didn't bother making a dragon. I think it's. I think it's something that was established in the the Game of Thrones lore that the Targaryens just rode their dragons yeah. bareback. Right, I th- okay. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Probably the dragons um, wouldn't accept a saddle either. We're not like horses. Yeah. No, they're not. It just, it's like no, it just seems they're like not Yoshi. Really, Really impractical and uncomfortable. Yeah, and those spikes. I mean, unless yeah, you get a know. stray spike somewhere unpleasant. Yeah, and you know about That's it. That's true. No more kids for John. No. no. Well, Daenerys can't have kids Ooh. anyway. Um, but, well, so she says. So she but... says, yeah. No, the dragons are her children. Um. Yeah, so what I was saying was, uh, the yeah, I didn't I didn't buy a lot of Amelia Clark's acting through quite a lot of the seasons, but she she was I thought she was great in season eight, especially in that moment when she sat on Drogon's back and the bells are ringing, and like mm. she's just like basically losing out to her baser instincts, her like worst instincts, um, yeah, without saying a word. It's just all facial expressions. I thought that scene, that moment was was incredible. And then she commits genocide. Yeah. Mass genocide. Like she was going up and down King's Landing like you like you do with a lawnmower. Like <laughs> Yeah. Love a bit of genocide in the morning. Yeah. Um I thought she was gonna go straight for the red keep and just burn that to the ground, but like, no, she's gonna commit genocide first because well uh, And that's yeah, that's a problem. Well, it's it, well, yeah. Obviously, it's a problem. I don't know. I don't think it's a massive. I don't. Th- well, I don't think it's really a problem in terms of her character because she's just kind of been like, they're not going to love me. I'll make them fear me. 
and yeah, if she just if she just gone and burnt down the red keep, most of the people would fear her. I mean, people, most of the people in, yeah. in the street, like they didn't really give a fuck when Cersei burnt down the when Cersei blew up the Sept of Baylor. People in the street were like, ah. There was one guy who got crushed by one of the bells, but I think most of the people in the street didn't care uh, because all the people who died in there were like, you know, high lords and ladies. And if she, if yeah. Daenerys had gone and burnt down the Red Keep, they were like, eh, yeah, whatever. Cersei was a dick, but she she could have just taken out the Red Keep yeah, and I'd assume, been done I'd with assume, it. I'd assume. I'd think we're taking out the Red Keep. Something that stood there that the Red Keep's never been taken um, since it's been built. I think that would have had an impact on the people mm-hmm. to do what she did. Even taking out some of the Lannister soldiers would have been had an impact. But to go through... And well, then I just leave those to Grey Worm. Yeah, but she still went through the streets, <coughs> taking out the soldiers and the people. It was just... I think... Like I said, the conflict wasn't there for me to, to say that she went for fear. Well, she's going beyond fear, isn't she? Yeah. I'm I'm not going to sit here and, and, and argue that the show wouldn't have benefited from more episodes. Yeah, I think four like, more. A full ten. A full ten would have been what which HBO wanted to give. Oh, HBO they, wanted to give them ten seasons. Hmm. Uh, but uh, more the more cynical people on the internet have decided that no, D&D just wanted to go off and make Star Wars. Like They wanted to be done with Game of Thrones as soon as possible. But I think it's more of a case of just like They'd, they'd given like at least a decade of their lives to this TV show and they wanted to wrap it up in a satisfying way, but, you know, swiftly. Um, you see, I don't, I don't, this is where the last two seasons had three years essentially, maybe four years to do the last two seasons. Yeah. Ten episodes. Season. But also, um, how do you wrap this story up in a way that satisfies everyone? I mean, I don't think George R. R. Martin knows how to. No, I, don't. I think endings are the hardest thing you can do for a story. But um, given the breadth of for the characters, which you've given in the early part of the season, of the series, to allow the characters to breathe, to talk about, to discuss things, would have been a more satisfying series, season rather than what we got. I mean, I, 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 I'm not going to say that I uh, I think the season's perfect. It's very far from perfect. Uh, it's not the weakest season, I don't think. I, I still think season five is probably the weakest overall. Um, it's... I don't know. I don't say... I'd go far as say it was rushed. It's just... Uh, it could have done with more time. It could done with more time in the oven it's condensed yeah it's condensed yeah yeah uh and so some of the events would have probably could have benefited from more time so that they carried more weight um but yeah uh final episodes um varus finally gets gets uh or did this was that in the final episode or the episode before then no uh, episode before episode yeah it was before. it was the last one episode wasn't it yeah because Varys is trying to poison um it we presume is trying to poison Daenerys uh and he gets yeah. he gets 
moided for betraying her. Mm. Um, uh, I would have liked to have seen a better ending to Varys as one of my favourite characters in the show. Um, but he didn't really have a lot to do in that last season, to be honest. Um, part of maybe why it felt condensed, and that's why you could have given him that the machinations behind to get rid of Daenerys a bit more weight. But who was he gonna? Who was he gonna? You know, do his machinations with? Like all he'd got was his sparrows, like mm. his 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 little birds. Everyone else around him was like is like devoutly dedicated to Daenerys so I don't know um and yeah J- Jamie oh sorry we didn't mention Jamie and Cersei going um I liked the the way they went out I, yeah, it was good I thought it was a bit shit to be honest I thought that they played such a crucial role mm-hmm. uh the pair of them uh, and I just thought it was a really cheap way to kill them. Oh, the the method of the death, end- maybe, yeah. But like, the, but the, the the manner in which they the went ending, out, like, yeah, okay. So the ending uh, or their ending as a whole, um, obviously, it ties back into when Jamie and Bron, yeah, are talking about how they die, how they want to die, um, and. Jamie says, oh, I want to die, uh, die in the arms of the woman I love. Um, and obviously they've then tied that back into mm-hmm. this episode with him being... And they they, they uh, came into the world together because they're twins and or, they yeah. went out together. And, yeah, um, uh, quite. But I just, I don't know. I was kind of expect As with the Night King, I was expecting something more yeah because for the entire series they've been some kind of powerhouse uh in throughout the entire show and then it's just like oh here's some bricks Mm. Mm. but Uh, i I went out she went she went out with at least me i don't want to speak for you guys but i felt kind of sorry for her in a way like she's been one of the most vicious like scheming manipulative murderous characters in the entire show but she's also like she's also had all of her children taken away from her she's been marched through the streets naked and being like this some horrible things have happened to cersei um Pro- nowhere near as many horrible things as she has done to other people mm. but at various points throughout the show i felt some empathy for her and I and I felt sorry for her in the final moment like and that's down to the actress really that actress, yeah she was brilliant yeah Lena Headey is, is is incredible and apparently she got paid a million dollars an episode for this season and she mm. spent most of that standing in in windows drinking wine so yeah. fair play fair yeah play. yeah <laughs> if I could get paid a million quid an episode to or a million dollars an episode to stand around drinking wine I'd yeah it. exactly um I'd do it for half that a lot of people had a lot of problems with one of Jamie's final lines when he's before Tyrion releases him from that tent uh, when he's been captured, and, and he says something about how he he didn't care for the, the never cared for the common people. And a lot of people were saying mm-hmm. like, "Oh, that's just ruining his character." Um, I don't think we're meant to take that literally. I don't think 
Jamie means it when he says he doesn't care for the people. I think he's just kind of... I think if he chooses, he, cho- he chose the people when he went off to fight at Winterfell. Exactly. He's, he's now but at that, at that time, all he cares about is Cersei. Mm. Uh, and so... So he's, he chooses... His own, he chooses himself and his sister. He'll choose his, given the choice between himself and his sister and the mm-hmm. people, he'll always choose himself and the sister. If- and we got like two of the best scenes uh, in terms of just like raw acting from one of the best actors in the show, um, Peter Dinklage. The scene when he says goodbye to Jamie, um, and he's you know telling him he was how Jamie was the only one who didn't treat him like he was a monster. When they were mm-hmm. kids, uh, and then the beginning of the final episode when Tyrion finds Jamie and Cersei's bodies in the rubble, um, I got quite, I got, I got a little bit teary. Peter Dinklage is so good. Yeah, Peter Dinklage is really good. Um, particularly he, the the development of his character over over the entire series. Yeah. You look at where he started at in like the first season where he's just a drunken lech with a few yeah. clever lines. Uh, I'm the god of tits and wine yeah. or I drink and I know things. Yes, yeah. Uh, and then how how his character develops because Tyrion gets put through the shit. Uh, and um, the the realisation in the final episode that he has backed the wrong horse or not not back the wrong horse but the horse that he has backed has turned out to be a genocidal maniac um <laughs> i'd make the grand national more it would yeah <laughs> <laughs> um the yeah him the, 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 those scenes the scene of him trying to convince uh john to do what is right and there's um, yeah, there's yeah. the great line when when John brings back the the um, line by uh, Maester Aemon, um, who was a Targaryen, if you remember, met Aemon Targaryen, mm. um, yeah. about like uh, love is the death of duty. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, and then yeah, John goes off and stabs Daenerys. And doesn't get toasted. He doesn't oh. get toasted. Like this is a Targaryen. But like some people well. are saying, like either either Drogon is incredibly dumb and sees the knife and thinks, "I oh, she got stabbed by the pointy chair, hmm. so I'll melt it." Um, yeah, or what is more likely is that Drogon, like uh, Tyrion says actually in one of the episodes about how the dragons are incredibly intelligent and some people think mm. they're more intelligent than people. And Drogon realises that it wasn't really Jon that, that killed her, it was her obsession with the Iron mm. Throne that killed her. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put with that. Yeah. Um, and then him... Like the the scene, the, the moments were like uh, Drogon sort of like nudging her with his chin before he realizes that she's dead, and then picking her off and flying flying away oh. with her. Um, crazy th- fan theory I've heard. Um, people reckon that Drogon is flying her off to a shy. Um, okay. To get really nerdy for a second, back when they're in Karth, 
Uh, well, first of all, the dragon eggs came from a shy. Mm-hmm. A shy is also where Melisandre comes from. Um, it's where all the red priestesses come from who know how to bring people back from the dead. Uh, and Quaith, the woman at the party in Carth in season two, who was wearing like a weird metal mask that covered all of her face apart from her eyes. Um, she says she's from from Ashai, and she says about how like to go north you must go south. It's talking about Danny. To go north she must go south. To go west she must go east, and Ashai's in the east. And to go into the light she must pass under the shadow. And Ashai's called uh, Ashai by the shadow because it's all bathed in darkness and whatnot. And people reckon that Dragon's taken her there to have her resurrected. And if the story was to continue, you'd have like a resurrected Daenerys coming back with a dragon but this time she's really pissed um, or you might not do Drogon might just say nope I am not going yeah or Drogon's just taking her back to old Valyria yeah yeah well, don't know. you don't actually see he might just drop her in in, in the sea yeah hmm. might just slip out of his yeah doors. probably so, maybe, maybe maybe or he's just going to eat her well yeah or there's that he <laughs> needs a snack on the way <laughs> Exactly, it's a long flight. Um, He's like, I'm all done with that bit, flying that bitch about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that was the big moment of the episode, and then kind of like all that's left to do is tie everything up, decide who's going to be the king. Apparently, it's Bran. Yeah. Ugh, bollocks. Um, Honestly, I I genuinely didn't see that coming, and predominantly because when he's when they're looking for the Lord of Winterfell, it should it fell to him, and he's like, "Nah, I don't want to do that." And then Tyrion's like, "So, Bran, do you want to be king?" And he's like, "Well, would I be here if oh, I no. didn't?" Well, no, no, <laughs> he, like, he doesn't. Well, um, uh, it's it's so uh, he says that's why I came down here, mm. um, and. Uh, uh, you, you could take that as it, it implies that he would be like, "Oh, yeah, I want to be king," but it, but then almost immediately afterwards, when he when he appoints Tyrion as the the hand of the king, he says, "Like, I don't want it," and yeah. uh, and he says, "Well, I don't want to be king." Um, yeah, I think Which it's more a-, a case of like he because he's a three eyed raven, he knew that they would appoint him as king, and that's why he went down there I rather think- than he wants it. I because as as uh, someone in a review I read pointed out, Bran barely wants to be human yeah. <laughs> at this point. See, I think Bran is like the Emperor in episodes one to three. Oh, he I don't is, know about that. He is the power behind the front. As soon as he becomes a three-eyed raven, he knows the past, he knows the future, <clears throat> he knows he's planned everything, he moves everything. But he doesn't he doesn't want. He just is oh so he plans it that he becomes the king whether he wants it or not is relevant he he moves things so that he becomes the king now whether it's to serve the people or because he needs to be king to in for the betterment of the human race in westeros and the world he moves things around so that he eventually becomes the king uh i don't know if i buy that theory but it's not an impossibility. <laughs> Louis, what do you reckon? I don't know, man. I I I didn't really like that bit of the ending. Um I just I thought it was a 
I don't know. Like he he knew that it was going to happen, and then he let all this shit happen, and then and then he's like, "Yeah, I'm king now." It, it just, yeah, I I wasn't that keen on the ending of the last episode, to be quite honest. I um I'll say that I'm fine with uh, Bran being the king. Like mm-hmm. it makes it makes logical sense for someone who is kind of dispassionate, barely a person, but more just like a um <clears throat> someone yeah, someone who knows everything and remembers everything and is just pure logic uh yeah. to be king. Kind of makes sense. Uh I don't think they sold it particularly well. No. Um, Tyrion's explanation as to why Bran should be king it was not the best right. I think he could have probably he, they could have written a better speech for him than that which yeah. is a bit a of a shame story. they've all got stories yeah uh, and most of them have got better stories than Bran yeah. um, although we don't know what he was doing for that entire season that he wasn't on the show like planning, he could have been planning to be king he could have been doing anything man <laughs> like um but, yeah, uh, and it's like, like Tyrion goes, "Oh, who has a better story than Bran the Broken?" Well, Jon Snow the Bastard, <laughs> Sansa, the Lady of Winterfell, mm-hmm. Arya, like pretty much all of them have almost died. Yeah, but mm. then, uh, 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 in the same point, of like they can't make, they can't make Jon the king because Grey Worm and the Unsullied would have just lost their shit and killed everyone. They could have um, just waited until because like, they all pissed off to. But, um, but also, he doesn't no. want it. Like no. he does, he, as he keeps on saying all the way through that season, I don't want it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I've heard a lot of he people saying really that. Wanna, he didn't really want to be king of the north. But, no, well, he keeps doing it because people ask him to. <laughs> He's like, oh, fine, um, but he doesn't ever want it. What he really wants is what he gets to do, and that's to. Go north of the wall, hang out with the wildlings and his best friend Tormund and his good dog. Yeah, um, and just do some cool shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hang he can out. be he can be the new king beyond the wall. Um, although, yeah, although he is now without uh, egret. Yeah, but you can find another egret. Mm. I think it would have been fitting had Sansa got it. Well, Sansa doesn't want it either. Sansa wants to be queen no, of the she north. Wants she wanted an independent yeah. north. Like the only person who really wanted it was um what's his face from the Riverlands. Oh, Edmure. Edmure Tully. Yeah. Like, oh he man. Gets shut down very very quickly. Yeah, and quite rightly because the man's an idiot. Like <laughs> <laughs> that was quite funny. Sit down, brother. <laughs> no, a cousin. Oh no, his uncle, whatever his name was. Uncle, yeah. 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 Yeah, sit down, uncle. Um and then totally hashes it up. Yeah. Um, there were some weird moments in that scene as well. The unnamed Prince of Dawn, uh, who yeah. doesn't even have a line, or he might say I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Robin Aaron, who... What a glow up he had. I know, right? Like, I don't know where, what milk he'd been on for since his <laughs> mum died, but Robin was Although, looking good. He still, well, yeah, he still looked a little bit sex pesty. He did, but he, but considerably better than he did before. But then, like, um, yeah. Bronze Jon Royce has been raising him now, so he's probably slapped some sense into him. 
Yeah. Uh, he looked good. Uh, yeah, I suppose all there was left really was the sort of like the tie-up tie stuff of like the fate of the Starks. So yeah, like we said, John goes north. Sansa becomes queen of the north. Um, the north becomes an independent country. Arya decides to become Christopher Columbus hmm. and sail west. Um, there's a, a. Do either of you follow Dan Olson on Twitter? Foldable human. No. Um, he did a brilliant thing where he took like the final few scenes from the episode. Oh yes, and set that, it yeah. to. Um, did it as a. John, yeah, John he did Hughes. like a John Hughes closing. John Hughes, and there yeah. was the bit about Arian. It's like Arya sails west and finds another continent and calls it Westeros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there, uh, yeah, a lot of that seems just sort of like you know saying goodbye to his characters. Um, my favorite scene, I think, in that whole episode was uh, the first small council meeting under yeah. King Bran the Broken, and I hope they stopped. Like, I, I, I wish he'd just been like, "Don't call me that. Just yeah. call, just call me Bran, not Bran the Broken all the time." <laughs> um, but that first like small council meeting, because like after eight seasons of like war and murder and like the mm. first small council meeting you see they're planning to murder a child because uh, like Robert wants Daenerys killed uh, and every small council meeting since then has just been like who's dead who can we kill next like how do we raise more money for armies and whatnot. this is the first small council meeting you see where it's like should we fix the sewers and like mm. build some ships or like build the brothels or like it's like here's like the minutiae that goes into building a a successful peaceful mm. kingdom rather than who can we but murder then next like, then they're like oh we we haven't yet appointed a master of whispers but it's yeah. like Bran already knows everything so, yeah, I think it's supposed is to that be not, like largely pointless. It would be, and I think that's why there's no one there. And there's like this, there's no master of whispers, and there's no master of war uh, at, yeah. at the small council mm. meeting. It's like they don't need those things anymore. It's tradition that they have them, but they haven't got them. And I think it's kind of uh, deliberate that they're not there. Yeah, those roles haven't been filled. Um, I mean, one thing I've wondered about is the IM Bank. I mean, they ploughed all that money into the Lannisters, mm-hmm. into the Crown. They owed quite a hefty amount. Yeah, Mycroft Holmes is going to come back across the narrow <laughs> sea and be like, where's my money? Um, where's my money, bitch? <laughs> he's going to call ODB on them. Uh, yeah, I know, but... Uh, but the, Well, who owed the Iron Bank? Was it the, the Crown or was it the Lannisters? I presume it was a Lannisters at first, but then it's a Crown. Right, so. because now there's none left apart from, mm. I suppose, like Tyrion had have to pay it. <laughs> and, and then we find out that, like, in one of the earlier seasons, that, that the Lannisters are kind of broke. Mm. Like, their last gold mine had run dry years before, and they were just trading on their name, which is why they had to steal all that money from Highgarden to pay off uh, their own bank in the first place. Mm. Um yeah, because I, I don't know how much it costs to hire the Golden Company, but they were pretty ineffective mm. when it when push came to shove. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the Iron Bank would turn up, try and get their money back. I would like to. I like to think so. 
I like those scenes with with um, I don't know what his character's name was, the representative from the Iron Bank. There was a couple of scenes he had with Cersei that were very good, but there was that one scene he has when um, Davos and Stannis go across to Bravos to try and get uh, money, um, and like, and he's running through exactly how terrible his claim to the throne and how bad his position is and how the maths doesn't make any sense at all across the narrow sea your books are filled with words like usurper and madman and blood right here our books are filled with numbers we prefer the stories they tell more plain less open to interpretation how many fighting men remain loyal to you? 4,000. And how many ships do you have? The uh, ones still afloat, Sir Davos, not at the bottom of Blackwater Bay. 32. And how much wheat and barley and beef and pork do you produce on Dragonstone to feed your 4,000 men on your 32 ships? None. You can see why these numbers seem unlikely to add up to a happy ending from our perspective. As we come to the end of covering it, I suppose we might as well talk about, like, who's your... F- if, if you if you could only pick one character as your favourite, who would it be? I don't know. I would have to probably... Tormund was probably what the one of the few characters that I wish had more... I wish he had more uh, involvement, um, particularly in, like the the later series where mm. it, he was in it but only kind of bits and pieces for like battle scenes and stuff yeah um so yeah probably Tormund um Andy quite like Sansa and Arya for their arcs they're mm-hmm. really good and how they develop and how they change I suppose it's Tyrion I think because he be I think one of his arc is um, probably quite unique in the sense that he's uh, at the start he's cocky and he does a lot of successful things and by the end of it he has he makes many mistakes but still seen as trusted and intelligent yeah probably like Tyrion mm. what about you? Um, probably the Hound yeah. I think like his his kind of character arc almost went full circle. Mm. It's like he starts out as this or well, as a killer who hates his bro- who hates his brother and then ends as a killer. And ends as a killer killing his own brother. <laughs> well, it is not quite as simple as that. Like mm. it, he basically um that final scene he has with Arya where he's like you don't want yeah. to follow me down this path. Like, just turn. Like, you've you've done enough killing. Like, mm. step away now. I'm I'm already lost. I'm I'm gonna go and kill my brother. Um, <clears throat> but his whole arc of like starting out as like the Lannisters' dog and killing the butcher's boy and and whatnot, and then kind of being the only person in King's Landing who seems to care about Sansa. Uh, when uh, you know in the the, the moments after her father's mm. been killed and everything, and Joffrey's been so horrible to her, uh, and then turning his back on the Lannisters after the Blackwater or during the Blackwater, and mm. then trying to help out 
Arya, and then joining the Brotherhood without banners, mm. joining the fight against the undead and whatnot, and like his whole redemptive arc um, played out over those whole eight seasons beautifully. I thought, and he and like as we said earlier, he has some of the best lines in the show. Bad night to be outdoors. You've got real powerful magic to figure that out. Did the Lord of Light whisper that in your ear? It's snowing, Thoris. It's windy. It's going to be a cold night. You're a grouchy old bear, aren't you, Clegane? You want some rum? Don't like that shit. It's too sweet. Why are you always in such a foul mood? Experience. Yeah, but there were so many characters that, that I, I uh, as slimy as he was, I really enjoyed Littlefinger. Um, Varys was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, uh, Elena. Yeah. Um, yeah. Marjorie. Diana Rick. Yeah, she was like, she was so good. Um, there's one particular scene where she's down in Dawn um, uh, talking to. Um, uh, the Red Vipers paramour and like the daughters keep on like piping up and the way that she slaps them down verbally is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, well, she slaps down everyone in that show at the various points. Um, o- Oberyn himself, I thought was a, was a fantastic character as well and just far too short lived, but he is in the books as well. So what are you going to do? Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, the show is just full of just, incredible memorable characters and moments like like some of them straight from the pages of of george r, r. martin's writing some of the moments created by uh, the showrunners like the scenes between varus and, and Littlefinger. um yeah like amazing amazing show from from for from oh, i say an amazing show for most of its journey uh a few wobbly moments some underwhelming moments in season eight. Uh, for for me, it's a few un- underwhelming moments in season eight. For others, the whole season was underwhelming. I'm guessing you you fall more in that camp, Andy. Yeah, I'd say there's highlights, but mm. it's an I think it's a poor end to a pre- what could have been a pretty great series, as in the whole thing. I mean, I, I, I think it's pretty. I think it's great. I think it's great, but I don't think it. I think the last two seasons don't reach our heights. Game of Thrones is still better than 90% of what's on TV. Yeah, but it depends what's in that 10%. Exception overall. Well, in that in that 10%, you've got like The Wire and The Sopranos and Breaking Bad and stuff like that, you know. I don't like threats. Who threatened you? I'm not Ned Stark. I understand the way this game is played. Ned Stark was a man of honor. And I am not. Threaten me again, and I'll have you thrown into the sea. You might be disappointed in the results. The storms come and go. The big fish eat the little fish, and I keep on paddling. Uh, well, that's it. Our watch has come to an end. No, that's not what they're saying. Our watch has ended. Um, and now our watch is ended. Yeah, now our watch has ended. Uh, until... I don't know, in about six months or so when I decide to rewatch the whole thing again. <laughs> um, thanks very much for listening. As always, you can check us out on Twitter at Laps Gamer. You can pop along to our YouTube channel. Just search Laps Gamer Radio on YouTube. 
If you want to send us an email, you can do that at lapsgameradio at gmail.com and then you can slide on over to our website as well where we write stuff sometimes. Uh, that's lapsgamer.com. Uh, Louis, thanks very much for joining us. Where can people find no you? Uh, so you can find me on, well, probably when this comes out, you will be able to find me on Twitter at Louis underscore Kong. Um, or you can find me over on uh the podcast uh, which is uh, ready player two and that's at ready p2 and um, we've got a pin tweet and you can find us pretty much everywhere there mm-hmm. so we release episodes pretty much uh, quite sporadically but we do live streams and other sorts of gubbins in between so yeah yeah it's a good podcast and i do enjoy the twitch streams cool. as well andy where can people find you me at andy Piddy. Andy Piddy, yeah, yeah. I, I I do appreciate the fact that you shorten your surname for the Twitter because yeah. <laughs> I still can't. I still feel like I don't pronounce it right <laughs> after all these years. Uh, and you can find me at Damocles six nine three on Twitter, uh, and uh, that's my gamer tag on pretty much everything as well. If you want to play online, play games with me, um, yeah, that's gonna do this episode. Thanks for listening, no, cool. and we'll catch you later. Ta-ra. Bye. See ya.